And here we are. I'm hoping my mic works. Uh, hello, everybody. This is the r and r Show. My name is Ruel, joined as always by my co-hosts, Ray and Chris. Ray and Chris, how are you, friends? Fantastic. Doing good. It's a celebration. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm this guys. for this one. It's oh a party, everyone. The, the, the gesture-activated party. <laughs> We're here to celebrate the 2023. I've sprung that on me and all of you as well. Uh, I'm excited for this, Liz, and just wanted the attention. So I've, I've achieved my goal. Let's get this show on the road. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. <laughs> How's it going, a- both of you? Uh, amazing chris i you know this is the end of the year show folks we're going to be taking a break after this uh going into the new year we've got the holidays coming up so we're bringing you the best of 2023 and i think that was the best of 2023 right there chris bringing uh, the um uh the hype as as y'all yeah. say but yeah um, we, we we wanted this to be the best r and r and r ever and so <laughs> we we decided to bring you two special effects our budget is blown for 2024 it's gonna yeah, be yeah that's it we're it's done downhill from here <laughs> Please, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you get one free subscription, and you can subscribe to this channel right now. You yes. might even Prime get subscription. three for next year. Yes, <laughs> subscribe every, anytime you subscribe, folks. The you are doing your best to support the channel. We appreciate it, and you know with those special effects, it's not cheap, folks. I mean, otherwise, you know, I may have to bust out Benny the Bit Spare. Um, hello, I'm Benny the Bit Spare. I'm leaving now. That's. <laughs> That's what I do two, on my channel, folks. I, two incredible things just happened. <laughs> that Benny the Bits Bear, and I think Ray, we realized it at the same time. Did you see it in the chat? Were you yes! reacting to that thing? Yes, I realized yes! it as well. I've been demoted. <laughs> what am I doing on the left side of the screen? I'm going to get covered by alerts. Don't you subscribe to this? Oh, 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 what Look at the? this. They lull me into a false sense of security. Come on this I, stream, Rachel. Yeah. We love having you. And then I get yeah. the crappy spot blocked by the alerts. <laughs> wow. I must have done something in a past life to really like for the for the prime show. I don't I don't want to say that's the reason why it's the best. I don't want to say that. People in chat are saying it. Don't look. It probably got deleted. But they no, I love that it. we realized that at the yeah. same time. That is so great. <laughs> we both went, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yours was fear and mine was joy because I don't have to worry about hey, listen, my, my little waving through a ones- window. <laughs> You're the ones who suffer because people like to block Chris's face. My face is is too charming uh, to block. Yeah, that, so let's be real. Yeah, no, we <laughs> we will rectify this for future streams. Don't you worry, everyone. Oh yeah, like, definitely. This, this is this is an anomaly. It's an anomaly of an episode. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. friends. Um, again, welcome to the R and R show. Uh, we are recording uh, for YouTube today, but first, you are in the pre-show. We get to hang out with y'all. We've got a very special guest uh, coming on real soon here. Um, mm-hmm. Just wanted to welcome everyone, and we've got a really fun uh, couple of uh, hours here. <laughs> I just saw the alert go up. Oh this. this is awesome. Eric, that's amazing. Thank that's you, amazing. Ariel. Thank you so much for Thanks, gifting. <laughs> Oh, I got one. Wow. Thanks wow. so much. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, but yeah, gotta, we're yeah. 
We're we're here at the last show of the year. It's gonna be a little bit gonna be a little bit chaotic if you couldn't yeah. already tell. Uh, but I want to do something real quick with uh, with chat if I can. I saw someone mention it. Oh, yeah. I wasn't going to until someone brought it up. But I in my tweet, I always tweet before I go live. And I said, I promised anyone if they could guess what my top two were going to be, I'd send them an internet kiss. So if anyone oh. in chat can guess <laughs> as like a, as a as a as a joke. Uh, but if anyone can, if anyone can guess it, I'd be really curious. I'm Let me know in clear. chat. <laughs> I think it's important to clarify sometimes on the internet. Yes, well, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah I yeah. <laughs> it is the internet. Uh, but I'm really curious if you have. I also want to know what your favorite games of 2023 are. If, if people in chat have have their mm-hmm. personal lists, obviously we're going to be talking about our 16 top games of 2023. If you've got if you've got a top two or three that you want to let us know about, I'd love to hear it. And um, while they're yeah, doing yeah. that, Ray, why don't you tell us yeah. all that's happening at the op, and then we'll bring out our special guest. <laughs> um, right? At the op. Not, honestly, no, that was a great segue. Uh, at good? the op, we're, we're really winding down for, for 2023. I ran a big whole week of, of giveaways for our entire party party family mm. line last, last week, which was really fun. I really enjoyed uh, engaging with folks on that. And now we're sort of, we're starting to hit that low. Everyone's getting next week off. So we're starting to sort of prep for our big, our big 2024 releases. We have a couple of really, really strong uh, strategy games coming out early in 2024. So we're winding down all of our campaigns for 2023 and starting to get ready for some, some, I think some games that are really going to make a splash for strategy games coming from the op. Because as I've talked about before, the op typically in the past is in a lot of like lightweight family games. And we're starting to dip our toes into strategy. Uh, which I'm really very excited about. So that's really what we're what we're lining up for. And yeah, and I've just been playing a lot of games to prep for this list. I was telling Chris this nice. before the stream. I don't <laughs> yeah. come from an independent reviewer, content creator background. I've always worked for publishers. So my task every year has always been to like learn the games that the publisher is releasing and learning like the marketing beats and how to demo those. That's always been like my number one priority. And then if I have free time, I'll just play the games that I already have that I like. And maybe I'll back a game on Kickstarter or I'll purchase the big game that's coming out that year. But I'm not, I've never delineated games by year before. So when I was told that this was the list we were doing, I was like, oh yeah, I can, I, I can talk about my favorite games from the past year-ish. Every single one that I had was from 2022. So I had to really like think oh, about, yeah. oh God, I need to actually like get some 2023 <laughs> games. I obviously had played some, but I wanted to be holistic with this list and try a lot of those games that were on people's most anticipated, you know, games that they were excited about. So I've been playing oh so many board games over the last two months trying to get a holistic list for y'all today so i hope you i hope you guys like what i chose oh that's awesome that sounds like that Ooh, sounds horrible having to play too. games for yeah the- play more games <laughs> right like good though, like- experience <laughs> <laughs> it was good though i feel like anyone who works in board games can attest that you know you think you're going to play a lot of games when you work yeah. in board games oh, but yeah, oftentimes yeah. that is not the case to the degree that you would think yep. it would be so this gave you a really good excuse to to play a bunch mm-hmm. of games but uh that's right. that's that's enough about me are we we're we ready to bring in I think we should bring in our special guest. He's waiting in the wings. Yeah, way cooler to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we definitely do. Um, Well, actually, I want to give Chris. Do you have anything you want to share? Um, Whether you've been up to anything or got something coming up, maybe a vacation. I don't know. Maybe a vacation. Well, I'm here. (laughs) I'm not in my normal studio. I'm here in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, just chilling with my girlfriend's parents. See, I knew. I'm uh, sorry. I knew that you weren't in your normal location. Like, where? I this doesn't look familiar to me. Okay, gotcha. The 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 cat tree that my girlfriend built. (laughs) 
out of uh, out of a big old stick behind it? me. Yeah, stuck it in a big old vat of cement. Very impressive. And then and then <laughs> created the other stuff. Um, yeah, so so I'm here, and so my Christmas is is playing sort of small games, small box games that I could pack in my suitcase that I could introduce my girlfriend's parents to. They like a lot of cards. They like a lot of cards. They like a lot of 45s, which is just the most inane card game ever, especially because they play. You don't even have to follow suit. I'm like, what is this game? You don't have to follow suit? They're like, nah, just throw out a card. I'm like, I can't. It hurts me. It hurts me so much. Um, But uh, yeah, so so I'm here and just just chilling and um, prepping for... For fun stuff to happen in uh, in in 2024, I'm going to work on on doing another uh, Rabies Award, the Room and Board Awards, the the, oh, uh, okay. the annual Rabies Awards, rabies. like the Oscars. <laughs> Last year, I dressed up in a suit. We had a special musical guest. Um, yeah, we, we had an in memoriam <laughs> section where we, I I took and probably another in memoriam section is coming where I've been over the year. I just take screenshots of people who post on Facebook about the very, very small dings that they get to their boxes and they say, should I return this? Uh, So I like to have a little in memoriam section for that. Uh, Yeah. That's that's uh, beautiful. That is fantastic. I love that. (laughs) I was very proud of my, like the award show that I did last year. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. And so I'm like going to try to make it this one equally funny, but I'm just going to reuse the same bits. Really? That's Uh, amazing. Yeah. The in memoriam, the little box dings. That's, that's what, uh, (laughs) that that always makes me laugh. Uh, folks, don't forget, I just dropped in uh, Chris and uh, Ray, where you can find them on the interwebs. Uh, check out those links as well. Um, I've got one little thing I want to share before we bring our uh, guests. Um, uh, but y'all know that I wear many hats in this industry. Uh, it's easy to wear many hats because I have no hair. Uh, so, I, you know, content creator, <laughs> um, reviewer. Um, I don't really review as much anymore until I, uh, you know, except for the stuff I do here for um, the Rado uh, channel. But recently, it was announced last week. I'm joining the rank of publisher, folks. So we um, started a company, Play to Z. I just dropped the link there. Uh, Zev from Z-Man Games, Stephen Bonacore, Jeff Engelstein, and a bunch of other great uh, people. We got together, and um, we are launching a company. Please check out the link there. Our first game is going to Kickstarter next year, early next year, uh, quarter one. It's Ascending Empires. And... um, you can get more info by clicking on the link there. I don't want to, you know, I'll, I'll share that, but I don't, I could talk about this forever, but needless to say, I'm it, very honored to be part of this group. And that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's exciting and nerve wracking oh. at the same time. Um, but yeah. please folks uh, check that out and thank you for that. Oh. Um, yeah. So I'm that's so what we've been up to folks. You, it's such a... oh. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. It's such a different way to like look at the industry too, to be on the publisher yeah. side of stuff. It'll give you like a whole new cool yeah. perspective on it. And it's such a good group of people that y'all have over there. So yeah. I was super, yeah. super excited. A real, you. real dream yeah. team. It, it really, I was very fortunate. And sure. uh, Chris, you'll be happy to know that at the World Series of Board Gaming, which you uh, worked, that's where pretty mm-hmm. much I, I was able to solidify my uh, position with the group was there. I had a couple nice. of meetings and, um, you know, we'd been talking for months and then at the World Series, we we had the pitch and I was like, you know what, I'm in, and that's that's where it is. So I will always have fond memories of the World Series of Board Gaming um, because <laughs> of that, and and many other things as well as well as well as the tacos at um, you know as we always know tacos al gordo oh, tacos yeah. al gordo the best folks in Las Vegas. <laughs> okay, uh, enough of that jibber jabber. Let's bring in our uh, special guest, folks. 
You know this uh, person now through game design, leader games, whirly gig games. Let, let's bring him on. Folks, we've got Cole Whirly. Let me see if I got this here. Hi. I hope this is working. Cole, Hello. how are you? Welcome. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks for and being here. Yes. We are so, so excited to have you on. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we're going to be sharing our best games of 2023. We've got 16 of them to talk about, but we want to get to know you a little better, Cole. Um What's your favorite color? No. Um, <laughs> I don't have one. It's a gotcha. It's yeah. a gotcha question. <laughs> uh, I always well, kind of, look. I yeah. I always play yellow in games, which I did because I did I'm like a little. Oh I'm a little God. colorblind. I think it, like in, yes. in low light, it like pops out. The problem is I don't know what like working in the board game industry. Every other person picks yellow. It seems like it's by far the most commonly really? picked no. color in the yeah. weird circles that no. I traffic in. And wow. so it is it has been the number one like starter of fights on staff. People are always <laughs> trying to snipe the yellow I, pieces from each other. I am I, I'm in the same boat. I'm colorblind, red, green, and I always pick yellow because it's the easiest to see low light situations. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. What about you, Ray, Chris? I, I've always been under the impression that green is I mean, green's what I pick, and for some reason I feel like that's very common amongst game designers, but I guess that really is your perception. Your color is always the one that's under attack and other people are trying to yeah, take exactly. yeah, that, like another true. pattern. <laughs> I wouldn't notice it because it's not affecting me. So I, it's so funny because green's my favorite and I've always thought that green is the most. Yes, yeah, so of course. Yeah. For, I, I don't care. <laughs> I never, I never choose my color. I let everybody else choose. I used to though. I used to always, when I got into the game, now I don't care because I'm less competitive. Well, I'm not really, but, but I'm less competitive in this way. Uh, I used to, I used to always pick white. Uh, while playing Catan because it blended in the most to the board. Ooh, and, so, and so oh, people, people don't count up your points that. as much. They're like, I'm like, uh, and especially because I'm always like counting other people's points. I'm like, ah, they're at eight points. They're like, yeah, you're at nine. I'm like, ah, don't worry about that. I'm, I'm posting <laughs> that in the strategy forums on BGG right now. <laughs> yeah. I, we're going to blow up the meta. That is hilarious. There is, you know, usually I think, I don't really care about player colors too much, but I will say when you're playtesting games, if I'm playing the same game five times with one person, we're gonna we're, we're gonna play with the same colors because otherwise right. it's gonna get confused. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So easy to get nightmarish. Confused. Just which colors? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, I also put a poll up in chat so we can get to the bottom of what our chat, what color chat likes to pick. So go vote in that poll so nice. I can write yes, everyone. Let's can go vote. Uh, thank you very much. And formal words. <laughs> this is the camouflage tactic. Yeah, very very well known tactic now. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Very clever. That's great, Chris. <laughs> um. Yeah, but we but, were talking during the pre-show a little bit. You like finished a game today. You you pressed the the done button mm-hmm. um, on a new game you have coming out. You want to talk about that a little bit because that's very. I'm I'm honored that you still came on today. I feel like yeah. you should be having a drink. You, you should, should be going yeah, like, celebrating, doing something way cooler than hanging out with us. Well, Ray, you know this. We're at the publisher level, and I guess Ruel, you're going to find out. Like the day you finish a game, it's like going a long walk. You don't talk to anybody. Uh, you buy the okay. nicest yeah. bottle of something for yourself <laughs> yeah. that evening. Like, yeah. it, it's, but it just so happened that we had you know the last the last little prefresh galleys on arcs um, just got approved. So usually when we're doing production, the very last stage is that we'll get the very final digital proofs, and we just make sure everything is completely fine. And we went through all those this morning, and I signed off on them, uh, and we are done. It's done with arcs. It took. I think it's the longest time I have worked on a product at Leader Games is about a three-year project. So a huge, wow. massive, massive oh, wow. game. Congratulations. That's amazing. That, what, a, what a cool milestone um, to hit today. 
Um, but yeah, no, speaking a little bit about ARCs, I'm curious, because it was like this three-year super long development process, um, what would you say was the hardest part of that game to like get right? What was the bit that you maybe fiddled with the most, if you can pick oh, one? Yeah, sure. I know design is this huge net process. Yeah, it's, it's any number of things. I think I had never worked on a game that had uh, so much stuff in it. So usually when I'm working on games, even mm. a big one, all the stuff kind of sits at the same table. So it's really easy to evaluate like, oh, well, th th this person isn't a good dinner guest. They're not talking as much as they should, or th th this part's a little, a little wrong. But because this game has a kind of campaign format, uh, in instead of everyone sitting around the table, it was like we had all these doors. And we're like, oh, I haven't been in that room in a long time. Ooh. You can open up and be like, oh, my goodness, this needs a ton of work. So it was really easy cool to, think to about it. Um, it was just really easy to forget how much uh, stuff we were putting in, in, in the design and getting it all, all, all to work. Uh, and the other the other thing that, that that took I mean there are a lot of small things that I could talk about but arcs I mean I'll, I'll just say briefly what it is um, it is and, and I think you know I, I saw I saw many of y'all at PAX Unplugged which was our first time that we got to really talk about it publicly after having the game yeah. pretty much done cool. because when you're when you're building up interest for the game you're talking about the game that you want to exist and that you're trying to make exist. Mm. Um, but now the game exists, we have to find like, well, how do we communicate what this thing is that we've been working on? And, you know, if, if someone, people would come up and ask, and I'd say, well, Arcs is, is a lot of things, you know, it's it's got this, this epic campaign mode that you can play, and there's a lot I can talk about that. It's got all these interesting mechanisms that I can, I can get into the weeds. But when someone asked me like, well, why would I play this game and not like Last Light? Or why, why would I play like... Mm. You know, they would start comparing it to other games. And I realized that because when, when you work on a game, you usually don't play a lot of other games. You're kind of stuck in the, in, in, in the room with, with your game. Yeah, and, sure. and I realized while I was talking to people, they're like, oh, the thing that makes ARCs special. And if I had to give someone just one sentence about ARCs, I'd say uh, ARCs is a, it's a space opera, it's a science fiction game that is not a 4X game. It's not, <laughs> it's not a civilization game. It's yes. operating at the human and a personal scale. And that's because... When I think about all the science fiction stories I love, they're not civilization games. So like Luke Skywalker, he doesn't win because he researches like a slightly better X-Wing. That isn't like how any of those stories actually work. And so right. we really tried to build what does it look like to tell these like big epic science fiction stories, but from a very like human and personal scale. And ARCs was sort of an experiment and in, in figured out. It turns out it takes a long time and a lot of years and everyone's very tired by the time you're done. But we're really happy with the thing that we made. Nice. That's nice. that's really cool. Yeah, that's like, because awesome. because also from from like the breakdown of I remember I remember Arcs being on Kickstarter. I, I it was I, I do a list of of all the games that 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 break a million bucks and it was like right at number two or three. It was it was one of like I I think it looks so cool the concept of that trick. I love trick taking and like incorporating that in such a unique fun way. It really like piqued my interest and, and makes me excited to check it out. Um, but I. I I love uh, now I've lost the thread. I, no, I, I love I love that idea of of story, right? Like that that idea of story and 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 the creation of story and linking it in. And, and but the idea is it, it feels sort of sort of simpler than than something like oath or 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 something or or something like root with all the different the different factions or or all the other things. So it's it's kind of wild to hear that it was one of the most the longest project that that you that you've had to work on from start to finish. I, I need to practice the, this part of talking about the game because it's really <laughs> easy to say, oh yeah, we you know, arcs 
we spent more money. We worked harder and longer on that game than any game we've, we've made. And for certain people, they'll think, oh my goodness, it's going to be so complicated. Right, and, right. And, yeah. and it's, it's really not. Like it, it, the, the, the simple games are the ones that take the time, really. Mm -hmm. And we worked very hard to be con just constantly like cleaning it down to its like essential bones over and over again. And even w when you play the campaign game, so the, the, the campaign game, uh, it, has a, it has a kind of... Um, it has like a, a, a little bit of a novel concept, which is that it, it allows players to kind of create an emergent asymmetric game, but it's an asymmetry that isn't being built by me. It's being built by the players around the table and how it works. Uh, I mean, it really, in order to explain how it works, you just have to like think about how, how the actual gameplay works. So you might start the game and your brat brother like wants to be a shipping magnate. And so they're going to go like play an economic game, trying to be a shipping <clears> magnate. And you're going to like start a new religion. You've got it in your mind that you want to start this fantastic cult. And that goes very badly. And so in game two, you decide, you know, actually, I'm going to be a space pirate. But you're not just a space pirate. Your pirate ship is like filled with all of these weird cultists who are like hanging on to your mission. And then after the space pirate thing also doesn't work out, because maybe you've got some product management problems that you haven't sorted out. In the third game, you might decide that you don't like your kid brother after all, and you're going to be an eco-terrorist. You're going to destroy all those factories. But you're not just an eco-terrorist. You're an eco-terrorist operating out of a pirate ship that's filled with all your cultists. And yeah. so that's an asymmetric faction <laughs> that you've designed through the course of the game. So the thing about how, how the design works then is it has this like pretty – strong basic framework that's not very hard to, to learn but then as you play the, the the campaign game this is why i used the doors metaphor earlier you kind of open up these new mm -hmm. boxes of content which change how the game works for all the other players and the amount of ideas and just like strange things that we we're all able to put in this game i think everyone on staff has like a favorite plot line or like a favorite moment that might get unlocked and and all of this i should say there's something i'm bearing the lead a little bit it's a campaign game but it only takes three uh, games to play and mm -hmm. you can reset it as much as you want and that's just a reaction to the fact that i love campaign games but i have three children and i just can't i just can't i, I can't log the hours yeah and so we thought and and, and I, I was tired of playing like fast versions of ti because i like ti but i don't have 10 hours but I, you know I, I could sit down i could do it in maybe three or four smaller meals and so it was trying to take like a big experience and cut it into some small meals but it's still something that, you know, for, for people who have the time, you can sit down and play the whole thing straight through. But if you want to break it up over a few weeks, the game is really well suited to do that, too. Wow. Um, folks, I know we're talking about our best games of 2023, but I think we may have a candidate for 2024. <laughs> um, just saying, folks. I, this seems like it checks all the tech boxes for me. You know, um, a sci-fi game, something that's not going to take, you know, 10 hours, whatever. I'm in the same boat. I love TI, but it is really difficult to table that game, obviously, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, but something like that that can be broken up. Yeah, I am really excited to, to give it a shot now, Cole. So thank you for sharing that. Um, of course. Right, Chris, I, uh, you had a comment. I, I know I cut you off. Sorry about that. Oh, no, yeah, I will no. just talk if you let me. So please. Come oh yeah, yeah. Feel free. <laughs> I've got another. I've got another question for Cole. And and chat, drop any questions for Cole. We're we're gonna chill here. We're gonna chat and, and just hang out for 25, 20, 25 more minutes. Then we're gonna start the list to make sure that we get all of them in. Um, but I know that uh, you, you've had a lot of you've had a. I would love for you just to talk about a little bit your your design journey and your journey in the industry and mm -hmm. and get to know you a little bit in that way as well. Uh, in terms of how you started out, what made you want to design board games, your involvement with with leader games, and how you know worldly gig games came came to be, and 
uh, and your involvement in in both of those things and and all all that sort of uh, your your design journey. I, I'm interested, and I think everybody else might be as well. Well, it's you know one thing I love about this strange industry is that uh, I feel I really feel like and no offense is meant, but like this is an industry of misfits. Like no one goes to school to work in the board game industry, and so what it means is the people who are in the board game industry come from this like very wide range of backgrounds, have a wide range of interests. You sort of like never know what sort of folks you're going to run into. And I'm always surprised by, by, by the people I've, I've, I've gotten to know. I um, have been playing games, you know, kind of my, my whole life. I, I grew up in a family with lots of kids and lots of friends of those kids that were always around the house and board games were the cheapest, easiest, best thing we could play. And I got lucky because we had access to games like Catan and even some of the early Euro games um, pretty, pretty early on. Like I remember playing Princess nice. of Florence probably a year or two after it came out. And that was just, it was just an accident. It was just the fact that someone's, you know, uncle in Florida was really into Euro games and would always, you know, get them <laughs> for the family. Uh, and, and I also grew up playing a lot of role-playing games and, and, and war games. Uh, but I never, I never really associated myself with gaming as something I liked doing. Uh, and I was interested in it. And then when I, uh, when I went off to, to, to school, um, I swore off video games when I was in college. I just swore them off because I wanted, I, I really badly wanted to be a reporter. And so I wanted to be very serious about my work. So I remember I, I had a little money saved up for a laptop and I purposely bought a bad laptop that couldn't play games because I wanted to, I, because I knew, I knew that if I got Warcraft 3, right oh, if, I yeah. got, if I got Warcraft 3 on that laptop, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail Game my over. houses. Yeah. Um, but, but I did bring some board games with me. And so over college, I was always playing board games. And then uh, when I was in graduate school, I started playing um, more historical board games and historical board games, the, one of the things that separates them from, from kind of standard mass market games or even hobby games is that they usually have arguments. Like they have like ideas. You know, when, when I hang out with people I know in the hobby market, like at PAX U, people will tell me like, oh, have you like played this new killer mechanism? Have you like seen this game from the Tokyo game market or something? And when I hang out with historical game designers, they'll be like, oh, have you seen like this person's treatment of the Battle of the Bulge? And they're like talking about it like they're theorizing or like it's, and it's easy to make fun of it because it is like, there's such strong dad energy in those conversations, (laughs) but actually like they have this lovely, there's this lovely ethos of like, we're trying to understand something by making a game about Mm. it. And I found that idea like so compelling. And so I, I was just noodling on games in in my, in my, my my spare time. I started working with with a small publisher uh, called Sierra Madre games. And, um, I, I noticed pretty early on, uh, just having helped playtest games, that the games that seemed to get published were just the ones where um, the the designers uh, did their own graphics, were easy to work with, you know, did their own playtesting. And so I was like, oh, well, I'll teach myself graphic design and I'll handle my own editorial. And then I just found that Casually. like the games, like I would just present the, the publisher a game that was like almost done. And it wasn't that the game was specifically good. It was just a low effort project for them, right? Uh, and so I started publishing these little historical games uh, through the, through this company. And then after I finished graduate school, I, I thought I was going to go teach Charles Dickens in some state university. Um, and around that time, I saw a, a little job notice for a company in, uh, in Minneapolis called Leader Games in St. Paul, more properly. Ah. Uh, and I thought, I like the idea of Minnesota. 
just something like, in the cockles of my heart. I just like the, it's like a little piece of Canada that fell into the United States. I just, I love the idea of Minnesota. And and I remember looking at, at my partner and, and saying like, do you, should we just move to, to Minneapolis? Maybe we should go up to the Twin Cities. And so I, I, I talked to Patrick uh, who, um, so Patrick Leader, the guy who owns, owns Leader Games, he had had the, the, this interesting little story, which, which basically had gone that he had got tremendously lucky twice because he had published fast, it had done really well. And then he published the second edition, it had done really well. And he had, I mean, this is uh, being a little too simplistic. He had a big pile of money. He had, he had done well. He had, he had, he had, he had captured a, a moment with vast. And now there was this question of like, what are you going to do with that initial capital? Because he didn't have to do anything, but instead when I was talking to him, it was clear that he wanted to do something that I had never seen another game company do, which is staff up like not hire contractors. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's hire the illustrator mm-hmm. full time. Like Kyle Farron, who does the illustration for root and all the games at leader games is a staff illustrator. He was one of the first employees oh, of the company, wow. even before there were illustrations for us to give him to do. Uh, and so I was kind of in that like initial year of hiring where they needed a, de- a developer. And mm-hmm. during that process, you know, it was a funny hire because Patrick said, you know, I can't pay you very much money and the company is going to run out of money. But if you want to try this out, maybe maybe we'll get lucky. And I, I came up, and uh, pretty soon Patrick asked me if I wanted to work on an asymmetric strategy game. And I, I built the concept for Root, which we then kickstarted. And Root was made in a scrappy circumstances. We were working in this old warehouse space that when it rained, we had to put up umbrellas because the, the windows would leak sometimes. Um, and, and we all worked very hard on Root. And then when Root started doing well, I said, all right, Patrick, let's – Let's scale up. Let's figure out how to, how to get all this stuff to work. So one thing that I that I adore about working at Leader Games is that uh, it just behaves differently from any other publishers. And I don't mind saying this publicly. We don't. There is no royalty or contract for Root. Root is a game oh. that the company generates, oh. and everybody who has who is an employee of the company generates bonuses based on how well Root does. And wow. so we have this notion of like broad equity that. Uh, I just adore, and it it just creates a different, a completely different feel than than a standard publisher. And you know, when I when I go to industry parties and people talk about their revenue goals or their publishing goals for the year, I always tell people like our only goal is to find ways to cancel more games and to go even slower. Like we want to like, <laughs> like you know, we we, we spent a, a year on Root, which let me spend two years on Oath, and the two years on Oath let me spend three years on Arcs. Uh, so you're going to see less and less of me. Um, but, but, and, and it's because we just wanted there to be a space to do this kind of like long form studio work. Right. Because to me, the thing that allows publishers to publish really good games is the ability to cancel games they don't feel strongly about. And in order to do that, you have to be a little bit more conservative in your business plan. You have to be a little careful. But this is something that can happen. And it also it also works because, I mean, really, and I... I always want to underline it's like Patrick's fundamental generosity in saying like, look, let's, let's make sure that everyone feels whole and that we have folks who like have a good time coming to work. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have to stay late occasionally or we don't get mad or, you know, this is hard creative work. All yeah. that stuff still happens. Um, but I've, I've loved, I've loved working here. I work, uh, so I'm serving now as the kind of creative director at the company and we have 15 employees and we're looking to hopefully grow a little bit. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. 
If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Wow. That's Amazing. Take that half, bro. You don't have to lay off. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, I love uh, James Blake in the comments says, disregard the list. Let's just listen to Cole talk about his experience <laughs> no. for two hours. Agreed. Uh, and, 100%. And I agree. It's, it's oh, incredible. It's very exciting. Like incredible storytelling ability. Like obviously I, I love meeting people where their job makes sense for like their personality. And even just the way you told that story, it makes sense that you are someone who creates games that tell a story to some degree. Uh, and it's also just, again, having worked on the publisher side for so long, it's incredibly cool. I did not know that about Leader Games, the way y'all were structured and the fact that ro- like there are no royalties. That's fascinating and really, yeah. really cool. Uh, so thank yeah, you for are... sharing and being transparent about that. That's really interesting. Yes. Yeah, and it's, and it's super I mean, unique. We like still have royalties yeah. for external projects, like Fort, for instance, designed sure. by Grant Rodiak. Of course, that he's going to get a royalty. Um, but we we really try to avoid contractors. So whenever we contract people, if we've used the same person for a few projects, there is always a conversation about like, how do we turn this into a full-time position? Because what we're trying to do is figure out like something magical happens. Even when you hire someone, if you, you might say like, well, we only have 20 hours of work a week or 30, but like what magic is going to happen in the extra 10 hours when they're, when they're like kind of at work and thinking about their job, but they're not like doing marketing because they don't have, you know, there's not that labor to do. Um, uh, it does create kind of like weird requirements. Like we, in an era that is increasingly remote, I don't think there's anything wrong with running a company remote. In fact, my brother and I's historical game company is run entirely remotely. Um, but because of the leader games model, we're like, actually like you do need to move here from, for most everybody. And we do that because it's about like the lunchtime conversations that get a little too long and that spill into, you know, another conversations. So we're trying to create that, that space. Yeah. And you mentioned your brother and yours historical company. That's that's where they get games, correct? Yeah, yeah. So that it, it, that is a funny provenance. Like the all of the games that I published, the historical games I published, um, they they had really interesting contracts that basically returned the rights to me after the games went out of print. And so it, it's a lovely practice because it means that it, it provides a lot of leverage for the for a young designer. And so like the, the royalties on those were not very good, but because the rights returned to me, if the game did well, I could negotiate for a better royalty. And all, so all of these games had been returned to me. And because I had taken root and I did a lot of the graphic design for root and some of the pre-press, I had kind of taken it through that the process a game has to go through to get published. And so I had these history games and thought, well, I don't, I don't want somebody else to do them. And I also, I have opinions about how I think they should be done. Um, and I knew though that I didn't have enough time to do it. And so my brother, who was uh, an education director at the Chicago Botanic Gardens, he liked to say did curriculum design. I asked him if he wanted to help. We've been playing games our whole life together. And I said, look, you know, we'll, we'll start with, with a small one. We'll do Pax Premier. And we don't know how well this is going to work. And we actually, uh, when we were working on our business plan that summer, we made a version of the game that said, what if only like 5,000, we could make $5,000 on the Kickstarter. Can we make these in our garage? And so we actually like priced out like how to make all the copies by hand. And then 
that is done well enough that Drew is able to go full time. It's now all that he does. Uh, cool. he, he works on he works on all the historical games, and I really like having that as as a kind of side gig because there are projects that I care deeply about that just don't fit in with leader games. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to make a really weird you know economic game that takes <clears> place in the 18th century that doesn't. It, no matter how many wigs we put on cute animals, we're not going to be able to sell that. <laughs> and so we have to find well, we, we have to find a home for that stuff. And I, you know, my background is in like the long 18th and 19th centuries and the kind of history of 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 you know, it's really it's the history of the British Empire, but it's really about the intersection of culture and empire. So it's it's something that that I care a lot about academically, and I also think it's an incredibly poorly. Uh, understood period in games because people mm-hmm. use it for wallpaper. They don't really engage with it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I told you like, no, I want to like spend a lot on period art and I want to really be thinking about the, the materials for these things. And so I've been so uh, blessed to, to, to be able to work, work with my brother, who's my favorite coworker. We, we, we get along so well. Um, but th- that, that company was funny. When we, when we started really gig, I said, okay, I'm doing the thing that everyone has told me not to do, which is to start a business with a family member. And so we have in yeah. our founding documents, <laughs> basically an, an agreement that says if either one of us wants to bug out, we just instantly dissolve. There's like, no, like mm. this is going to be no, like who gets the dog conversation. And in and, and about, and about every year we will have a meeting where we just look at the last year and say like, does it feel like we're both working about the same amount? Do we feel like we're, we're stressed out? You know, it, because we just really want to preserve our relationship and also make sure that we can still get these get these things done. I I think uh, I think Worthy Gig is, uh, is so uh, so so unique um, in terms of the games that that you're able to produce. Like I I I feel I'm really I love the theming of Molly House coming out too. I love taking a look at that. Uh, just that just finished on on Backerkit, right? The funding mm-hmm. of that yep. recently, and and I just feel like the the care at which you approach the source material shines through in, in those games more than any other game that, that that I can think of, more than any other publisher I could think of for sure. But like, I I often think of them in my head as like as if people refer to board games as if they can can hit that sort of like art piece yeah. echelon. And 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 I think to have good art, you need to have a statement, right? And I, I just right. feel that like statement so viscerally in 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 all of those sorts of sorts of games and breakdown. I, I just think that's so so cool and exciting to uh, to 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 think about. And I'm not the only one. Like I I, I know my whole my whole personal room board Discord talking talking about Molly House and how excited they were and mm-hmm. and. And even even like enriches that sort of source material and subject matter. Like I was watching the Netflix uh, show Bodies, and they were like, "Oh, by the Molly House," and I was like, "I don't." Care. I'm like, I know so much about this just because of like engaging with with the game and the concept. I just think that's that's so in- incredible how that how that carries through. Um, is that is that a, is that a sort of uh, reception that you've that you're often used to hearing or or experiencing through that that idea? It looks like Uh-oh. Did we, we, lose might, Cole? we might have lost. Uh-oh. We might have lost Cole, or or Cole's just taking this opportunity to give us uh, another art piece, um, <laughs> <laughs> right on cue. Yes, right. Even the visual art and also like the still art. You know those sort of like art installations uh, yes. that can happen. Mm. 
Uh, I just think the the sometimes sometimes we talk so much in this in this industry, right? And the, and yeah. to to focus on the silence as Cole is doing right now mm, is, yes. uh, is is so <laughs> sort of elegant, right? And speaks to speaks to how you can say so much with yes. uh, with so little too, as well. Which I think is a lesson we all can learn from Cole. Uh, uh, agreed. Uh, yeah. As well, Cole, that's that's a very valid. Very valid point that that is bringing up right now. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was perfect timing. There we perfect go. Timing. Chris, uh, Chris, you're the. I, I love the, just kind of a beautiful, a beautiful statement, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'll say one like very small thing about about Molly House. When we so Molly House was originally designed. Um, the initial the initial proposal was by um, a person named Joe Kelly, based in Bristol, mm-hmm. who I mentored with the Zenobia contest, and. I saw in them like something I really rarely see when I'm working with young designers because usually young designers are too protective. They only change a very small Mm. bit every iteration or they're too eager to please. So Mm. they're constantly like, you'll be like, what about like this? And then they rebuild their whole design in that direction. And with Joe, Joe reminded me so much of, of how I work on games, which is that every game, every iteration they showed me was very different from the previous one, but they were, they were all the same. Joe was caught in the gravity of an idea. And the idea was the, the setting. And so at the end of the, at the, end of the Zenobia contest, I, I told Joe, you know, I would love to help you on this game. I don't know what that help is going to be. Are we going to design it together? Am I just going to edit it? Maybe I just publish it. But if you want to go slow, I will go slow with you. And so basically the, the whole premise of our collaboration, I said, like, look, any, you know, this was the Zenobia fi- finalist that had a great theme. You could have this game in your hands in six months. But if you want to take your time, I will take my time with you. And we, that was a year and a half ago or two years ago. We really spent a long time just unbuilding it and rebuilding it and unbuilding it. But I'm so, I'm so happy with, with where it's sitting down because it is this like joyful thing um, that I think is going to help uh, introduce people to a really fascinating moment in our, in our collective history. Yeah. Wow. Super cool. I, <laughs> I wish I had something intellectual to add to this, but all I can think of when you said, if you want to go slow, I'll go slow with you. The romantic like undertone. Now I want a rom-com. A Molly House rom-com? Yeah. Molly House rom-com. Oh, go slow. All, look, all creative work is incredibly intimate. I mean, there's yeah. just no, there's no, just like, no getting she, like Not as a joke, genuinely. I feel yeah. like that there is something intimate about spending so long with someone about something that on a, a subject matter that is so personal and is so... Yeah. Um, important to you. Um, yeah, God, I, I could genuinely, my whole brain just went totally blank because it's, it's fascinating to listen to you talk. Um, since we're kind of on the whirly gig side of your catalog, I did, I did want to ask if you're comfortable talking about it. If not, that's totally fine. But I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that, um, almost hour long shut up and sit down review of John company. And if you can speak to at all the like change in reception to the game since that video. And if you don't want to, that's also fine. But oh, I no, I'm, to I'm happy to. I, so I, it's so peculiar. I adore shop and sit down. Like I, I was working in the UK very briefly and had this moment like in 2012 or something where I'm like, do I try to like hang out with these guys? And it was, I think it was the first time I ever had like a parasocial, like I'm a YouTube fan Ooh, who thinks I can just, yeah. bump it. but it, it was a weird, and I think everyone's <laughs> like had that moment because you know, it's oh, like yeah. a podcast where you suddenly feel like you start to know them. But I, they, to me, I have, I have admired that platform for a really long time and uh you know when 
they did a review of, of Root many years ago, and it was uh, it was a great review. It's a great review that is not a positive review of Root. Mm-hmm. And I I thought about it all the time. And in fact, Kyle um, Kyle and I thought about it a lot when we were working on Oath and thinking about ways that we could think about what they were saying. And like we didn't want to just like make them happy, but we were we were thinking about the things that they were saying that were resonating with us. And it like mm-hmm. it kind of changed how Oath was made. Um, and, and so I, I don't know they are of, of probably any of the, the video, uh, kind of creators, present company accepted, uh, they're, they're people I deeply, 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 uh, think, think about, um, that video of John company came out seconds before I turned off my fl- phone when I was getting on a flight to PAXU. So like <laughs> my brother sent me a text that said, there's a 50 minute, like they just posted a 50 minute review of John company. And I said, I I'm turning on airplane mode now. And the entire, I have never been more oh tempted God. in all my oh. life to purchase a $15 like hour long Wi-Fi pass. Yeah. I was just the entire time. I was like, maybe I could just get it. Just look at the comment section. Right. Um, but I like, I made it, you know, Drew and I got to, to visit our, our sister in Pittsburgh and we like, we like, you know, got on our couch, put it on the, the TV and like sat down and like watched it together, which is something I never do. I, a review of my own stuff. I, I cannot be seen with anyone when I watch it because yeah. I, I, I do watch and like trust. I just can't, I'm like red. If it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. I'm incre- incredibly embarrassed by it. Uh, Tom's review is incredible. It's, I think it's the best piece of, board game criticism in the video form that's ever been done. And it's so good that it doesn't matter that it's about a game I worked on. Like what I love about, about that review is that people are engaging it at the level of what can a video essay like say about a board game. And the fact that it happens to be about a board game I worked on is like weirdly secondary. Uh, Mm. It's, it isn't, it's a real incredible piece. I think if you've ever had uncertain feelings about theme and games, it's the best video to watch because it will help you sort through those feelings. It's not going to resolve them. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing I'll say is that when I, when I think about a review for a game I've worked on, I always want, I, I only really want one thing from a reviewer, which is I want them to extend like a little bit of grace and to meet the work where it wants to be meted. It's like where it wants to be meet. Um, so, you know, w- w- when, when you listen to like a new album, you know, you don't listen to like a jazz album and like get mad because it's not rock. You know, it's like, it's a jazz album. Yeah, it has yeah, a different, yeah, right. it's operating with a different yeah. set of principles. And I always, I always think that about board game reviews too. Like I want someone who is, who sees the work for what it is and is to meet, meeting it on the ground and then evaluating on the ground. And my goodness, that is precisely what Tom does in that video. Like yeah. he, there are so many things that he could have complained about parts of the game that are too complicated or, or things that, that didn't feel right or felt unfair or something like that. But that would have all been not meeting the ground where not meeting the game on the ground where it's standing. And I think it is a tremendous, uh, it's a tremendous piece. And I, I am just completely honored by it. I cannot believe it exists. I can't believe that it is, it has gotten so many views. Um, and, and it, and I, you know, I, I just, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm honored by the whole thing. That's amazing. Was cool. the, did you see a, a change in perception at PAXU? Cause that the video did drop literally like the day everyone, I think I, I, wa- I know I watched it while I was traveling to PAXU. That was what I doubt. Da- I downloaded it for my flight. <laughs> nice. um, yeah. Did you, were people, was that discussion leaving the internet and coming into real life? Um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we like, you know, we, we didn't, 
we're, we're never like going to a show like that to really sell through, but we, sure. we certainly sold all of our John companies, but then just, there were so many people who wanted to come up who'd been playing the game a bunch or who, or actually who hadn't heard about it at all. Yeah. And who had never seen any of our stuff and who just stumbled. And it, it was nice. Like our booth was a Molly house booth. We had a little table and some fun glasses. Um, but it, it, it was sort of built to be like a little bit of a, uh, like, 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 an, like an, a coffee shop in the evening in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. And it was, so it was fun to have people come into it being like, oh, this is the company that makes John Company, but here's this other game in the same kind of history setting. And mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was, a, it was a rare moment of brand harmonization, which is not something yeah. I usually like really, you know, I, I don't want to, it's something that we, I, I think what I'm trying to say is uh, we have a whole style that we're trying to do, like a way of handling historical immersion. And it was lovely to see people come to the booth and say like, oh, I saw John Company. It's like not the kind of thing I'd ever do but I didn't even know there were publishers who were doing things like this. And then to mm. see other stuff we were working on and to start to realize that like, there's a much wider world of good historical work, including some good stuff that came out last year. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a, good what segue. a perfect segue. <laughs> what, what a segue. Into what the a best segue. Of 2023. Cole, I mean, you know what? I think you're, I think you're the, you're the fifth R. We got, we added in the fourth with Ray. Yeah. I, I'm a fake R with Roman Borg, but, uh, <laughs> but I just, yes. you know, I just, Amazing. I just try to stay, stay in the corner and get covered as much yeah. as I can by the subs. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then I, and then I could slip through the cracks. Um, exactly. Yeah. Great segue. <laughs> Let's, yes. Ruel, should we get into the list? Let's get into it. So, folks, God, what we're going to hear. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, please, Ray. I was just going to say, I'm going to have such a hard time changing gears because oh, I, yeah. I, like, I feel like yeah. I'm going to take a nap now. Like, listening <laughs> yeah. to that, I feel like I need to go, like, think. I need to go stare at a wall and think for a very long time now. <laughs> yeah, I need yeah. to, um, I need to I'm read. Gonna, I'm going to reset. A, we're going to talk about. Nice, heavy novel of yes. 18th century London. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, if anything, can why don't I, we can all... I say one? Yes, yeah, please. Back, Paul. A, I'm going I'm to back up on my good transition and say that the, the <laughs> kindest thing anybody <laughs> says about John Company is that it feels like a novel. Because yeah. the, the games like totally. storytelling format right. is very novelistic. And so I think like when we're playing games, we should always think about like how, like how we're actually telling um, there's, there's this fascinating thing that people talk about in role-playing games where they say that uh, storytelling doesn't happen during the game. It happens after the game's over when what happened in the okay. game is built into a story. And so I'm always really interested Absolutely. in like what kinds of stories are being created post game. And I think John company has a novelistic angle so yes go sit down and read a long book after this yeah wow wow folks why <laughs> don't we all hour, together it's not gonna be the list it's just gonna be reading a book it's, just, it's nice it's book stream it's gonna be awesome. welcome yeah, to book stream, stream. Not yeah. reading stream. <laughs> that's the six r all my issues are now booked. <laughs> this is the real book club it's book club yes. but where you don't talk about the book everyone reads something different and then Amazing. you just hear the little chuckles of whenever you get to a, oh hmm. <laughs> and just run for a whole hour yes <laughs> Why don't we all take a deep breath, folks. Let's reset here. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about games now. And what we're doing is recording this for YouTube, friends. So we will, um, the engagement, we're still going to hang out. We see your comments and everything. But I am going to turn off a couple of things here, the the Twitch stuff. Um, And so we can focus on getting the list because this will be cut into a video for YouTube. We'll be talking about our top 16 games of 2023 along with Cole and ourselves. Uh, Let me get this ready here. 
Uh, but before we get going, we need to do a battle royale. This will get us in the mood to talk about games, watching all it. the stream avatars beat up on each other. Battle royale. Let's commence here. And Speaking of historical board games, let's yeah. have a nice big battle royale. There it is. Uh, so all you stream avatars. Folks, if you're a subscriber to the channel, you get one of these avatars. And along with subscribing to the channel, you also get discounts on Rado merch. You get um, a secret playlist of Rado and uh, Jen playing games. So if you have an Amazon Prime account, feel free to use that here. And we're going to watch everyone duke it out for a couple of seconds. And one of you comes out on top, you get extra Rado points and whatnot to uh, customize your characters. And I we usually call the action here, but there's so many people in... In the battle royale, we're just gonna wait, I guess, till it thins There's out a little so bit. So many people <laughs> taking each other out. We got, who got, we got bets. We got bets. My bets on sea otter because sea otter subbed for a year, a twelve month subscription on Prime, and we didn't shout out sea otter. So I'm doing that now, and I don't know if he's still alive. Did did sea otter die? I wanna, I wanna root for Hector, even though he's about to die. Oh no, he died. Oh. I, I don't, don't understand how this, this Andrew, Andrew Scott, Scott character, character is always, always in the top, top four. There right. we go. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. He's out. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Oh, go barefoot. Oh, Echoes. Okay, I'm shutting down the Echoes right now. We got okay. barefoot. We got D. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, barefoot. barefoot. Let's go. Boo. I know. I was, I, was watching on the, uh, I was watching on the slowed down stream, but we got Emmanuel Ant. The winner of the Battle Royale, congratulations. You're the bravest fighter of the land. <laughs> and now we're going to fight in our own list for list supremacy Ready. of 2023 games. I'm excited. Yes. And uh, folks, stick around. This is going to be a fun list. We've got 16 great games to talk about with our guests. And um, I think we're good to go, right, friends? Uh, let me get this here. Uh, we're going to start with the intro, and then we'll go to this scene here. Welcome, Cole, and uh, jump in the list. So take away Richard with the intro. Hey, everybody. This week's episode of the R&R&R Show is brought to you by Arcane Wonders and their new fast-playing card game, Gap, which is a very, very clever design. Here's the deal. On your turn, you are going to play a card from your hand, and based on the number of that card, it will potentially let you draft other cards that are on the common display and put them into your score pile. Now, if you play a card that doesn't let you draft, then you just get rid of that card, and other players might be able to grab it later. So there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of double guessing what you think your opponent's going to play so that you can get the right cards at the right time. But then things get tricky because once you put a card in your score pile, its number no longer matters. That was only for the drafting. Now what matters is the color. And you are trying to set collect, get the most cards you can of one color. But the tricky thing is the way you score. Once all the cards have been grabbed and all the cards have been played, Everybody's going to do a mid-game scoring. You will take your biggest color group, say you've got five cards in a color group, and then you will subtract the uh, number of cards from your smallest color group. And that's where the gap comes in. Because you are playing your cards smartly to try to get the right colors at the right time with these multi-use cards. And I got to say, folk, the gap is really, really clever. So if you'd like to know more about Gap and other games from Arcane Wonder, there's a link down in the show notes. And now, on with the show. And thank you, Richard. Hello, friends. How are you? Welcome to the R&R&R show. My name is Ruel. Joined, as always, by my incredible co-hosts, Ray and Chris. We've got a very special guest today. Uh, Cole Worley is joining us. Uh, folks, how's everyone doing? 
Fantastic. I'm thrilled. We're thrilled to be here. It's time to celebrate the best of 2023. We're doing it. Get the streamers going. Send the balloons. Let's let's get it all going on. It's 2023. We're here to celebrate and talk about the best games. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled. And and really, if you haven't checked out the pre-show, we do a pre-show of this. We were hanging out with Cole. Cole Worley and just chatting about uh, a bunch of games and and what what he's been up to. It was awesome. Uh, we, it, Cole is an honorary R in yeah. the R and R show now. The R and R and R and R and R show now. It's it's up to me to lose that over the course of this list. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the goal because <laughs> we can't add any more R's. It's uh, it's too complicated as it is. It really is. Uh, folks, what we're doing today is uh, talking about our top 16 games of 2023. And, you know, you saw Chris's awesome special effects. This is a very special show because we've got contributors throughout the channel that are joining us uh, via the magic of video. So we're going to kick things off with us, though. Um, I believe, Chris, you're going to lead things off with our number 16 on the combined list of top games of 2023. Yeah, we're going to get right into the list. I'm excited. Honestly, yeah. let's go right into the list. Let's uh, do I it. do want to I do want to shout out again like our, our sponsor Arcane Wonders though. A yes. gap that was being that was being focused on. Uh, I've just now started to play. I'm I'm excited. I picked up a copy of PAX and I'm here in Nova Scotia hanging out with my girlfriend's family and they're real card players. You know, they they Ticket to Ride is the max game that I've ever been able to get them into and even that's a little bit too much. Uh, and so I was excited to take a lot of like card games for them, but Gap is surprising. It looks like it should be a simple card game, but I feel like the if you want to get good at it and get really good at it, there's like a really there's a really interesting gamer gamification that exists in there, which mm-hmm. I was not expecting. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, we're we're still we're, we're working through it with with my girlfriend's parents. Like they've now caught on and they're enjoying it. But I was like, oh, it's gonna be a home run, and I was like, oh no, there's like. There's a surprising depth here. I was yeah. not. I was not prepared for this, and so that's also really, really, really fun to to, to realize. And and just wanted to to share my my gap experience and being like, oh yeah, there's something, yeah, there's something crunchy here. And then everybody also loved the foil cards and the shiny oh, yeah. too. That was like the number one. Mm-hmm. It's it is literally shiny as as you can see here. Um, you're you're right, Chris. There's way more in the box than you expect, and I that's what I yeah. loved about it as well. Um, it just. Mm-hmm. Really, it's set collection, hand management, but there's that little, I guess, is it push your luck or just a little element of like, I don't know what to do right here. Am I supposed to take this, this? And you have some choice, real choice to be made throughout the game, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, it's easy. Uh, it's, I mean, the cliche is it's easy to learn, but hard to master. Um, I, yeah. I feel like this is the, the game. It, it definitely falls into that into that category for sure. Yeah. Um, so a 2023 game that I played too late. I played it too late to consider it for my list. Yep. But I got I got excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for this list. We got 16 games of 2023, and we've got a bunch of contributors from the Rado channel as well. So you're going to be hearing for a lot of different voices. And yes. I'm honored to get to go first. So yes. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep talking and kick it off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the our number 16. Our collective number 16 is a game called Holotype. Uh, this is a game about dinosaurs. This is a game that I affectionately refer to as a worker placement cube pushing wing dinosaur wingspan. Like it, it's <laughs> it's the most relaxing cube pusher out there. This is one that like 
I feel like I've tried to champion this whole year because I've been having such a great time with it. It, it was from a very small studio uh, funded on Kickstarter back in 2022 or maybe 2021. I'm not sure. Uh, and they ne- they now had they had an expansion come out. They, they delivered their main game. They have an expansion out for it. And it's just like, it's so slick. It's so slick. It's so lovely and calm. What you're doing is you, there's five basic worker placement spots. You're going out. You're getting these fossils, these different cubes. Uh, the different color of the cubes represent different fossil types in the Jurassic, the Cretaceous, uh, the the other era. And there's three of them. And those are the those are the official titles, Jurassic, Cretaceous, and other, I'm fairly certain. Triassic. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and and so you're you're getting those cubes. You're paying for these dinosaurs. But there's a few tweaks here that I really really enjoy. One with the worker placement aspect of it, you have a hierarchy of workers, and so you have a, a tall a, a tall a medium and a short worker, and the tall person can kick anyone out of the worker spot that they want to go. They just kick them out and they go back to the person's hand. Uh, or the medium kicks out the medium and, and below, and the small one can kick out the small one. In addition, the tall person always gets a bonus benefit. Uh, versus the, the it's the, your main paleontologist versus like an intern. Basically, mm-hmm. they can they understand how to research and get the bones a little bit more. Uh, and so that combo of flow of where to put your workers that you can kick other people's back, but you also stop them from needing to recall all their workers. It's just a consistent flow. And then there's an ongoing um, tracker where at certain points during the game, once a certain number of holotype and dinosaurs have been published, the research findings have been published, everybody gets a, a bonus asymmetrical power. And you get to choose from like six of them. And so you're like, okay, all right, now I, now I get an extra cube when I go to this spot. Or now I get an extra card when I go to this spot. And I, I love that idea of uh, escalating asymmetry that's built throughout the game just on the game's timer itself. It's not something that you have to achieve. It's just something that you have to get uh and and get to get to get throughout the game and i just think it's so slick uh it's so like lovely calm relaxing i will champion this game any day of the week uh it does exactly what you expect it to do just like it hits it to a t i remember reading through the rule book and i thought this is going to be fun it's going to be exactly great fun and it is and, and so that's our number 16 holotype Uh, Yeah, love it. Wow. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chilling by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. 
love it. I yeah. I remember seeing I, the the run through that Kimberly did on the channel, and I was interested. Mm-hmm. But now, now hearing you talk about it, Chris, I'm really interested in this now. Uh, I mean, you had me at worker placement, but also just that whole like chill vibe. Like I'm all about that, mm-hmm. and that's normally not what I think of when I think of dinosaurs being chill. You know, I'm thinking <laughs> dinosaurs not being chill. So uh, very cool to hear that. Um, would you? I don't know. I don't really use that term, but I'm going to use it anyways. Is it a wingspan killer for you? Um, no, no. But I, I refer to it as wingspan in terms of like with, with wingspan. I don't care that they're birds. I care that it's a fun game. You know, like I, I like Chris, uh, no. although there, although there is you don't mean an, that there is an incredible <laughs> app called Wing Song that you can hover over the bird yeah. card and you can hear the bird sound and it's so cool. Oh. So okay, maybe I do care that they're birds. But like my focus, yeah. like if I'm playing the game, my focus is okay. I'm I'm focusing around the mechanics, right? I'm not focusing on how beautiful the plumage is. I save that for the end in my personal time. Uh, and so it's the same with it's the same with these dinosaurs, right? Uh, I I don't I don't care what dinosaurs they are. I do care, but like I just care. That's why I say it's a nice cute pusher in terms of the theme doesn't necessarily need to matter for me. But there yeah. is so much depth of theme in it in terms of like the, they like wingspan little dinosaur facts on each card, right? Where they're mm-hmm. located in North and where the bones were found, right? What mm-hmm. period they were found, the size of dinosaur, like all of those little cool things. That like I just I just like to I I just like the cube pushing aspect of it, uh, and that's just gravy on top. So that's that's where that sort of comparison comes in because the same feeling of like all of this hard work has been put into it that I I really appreciate, but it's it's the mechanics of the game that that really just draw me in and 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 make me that relaxed. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to give it a shot. It looks like a worthy yeah. addition to the list. Um, we're gonna move on to our number fifteen. Uh, this is. From Paulo. Uh, y'all know Paulo uh, from uh, the channel. He's the one that corrects all the goofs that we do in the run through. So we've got him on video. We're going to go over there right now and fingers crossed that this works, folks. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about my number one game of 2023. And that game is Evacuation from Vladimir Suki. This is a brilliant game. And what makes this game brilliant is the way that. You start a game with uh, a full production on Earth, but you have to slowly dismantle it and bring it to the to the new world. Uh, and that balance you have to strike between dismantle everything on Earth and start building and getting those resources to be able to continue to produce and build other stuff on the new planet is, is amazing. Also, the game comes with uh, several different ways to be played out of the box. You can play the race game, you can play a points game, uh, also you can play with normal actions or advanced actions. Uh, every player starts with a set of technology tiles that are different. They aren't uh, ready out of uh, when you start a game. You have them, but you have to develop them, develop them during the game. Uh, so there's a, there's also that asymmetry between all the players uh, in the game, and for me that's very well done, uh, and makes the game uh, really 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 great. If you haven't tried it, you sh- you should try because it's a fantastic game. For me, it's a number one of 2023, and that's all. Uh, have a nice holidays, and see you again next year. Bye. 
All right, and uh, thank you, Paulo. Much appreciate our number 15 evacuation. Now, I remember this game from earlier this year. Richard and I were really excited about just that whole theme of, you know, trying to escape or whatever. Uh, I like sci-fi games, uh, but I've not been able to play this yet, uh, but definitely looks like something I'd be interested in. Uh, any thoughts from uh, from any of y'all? Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I haven't gotten... Oops, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, no, no. We're saying the same thing. Neither Ray and I, we were we had a we, we had a day <laughs> scheduled where we were going to play it, and that day fell through. So otherwise, Damn. we would have we would have both played it. That's uh, Cole. Were you invited to that of ours? That no. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I watched people play this at BGCon. It looked so interesting, mm. and it I just it isn't out yet. So this feels like a little, it's like slight cheating for the U.S. audience because uh-huh. I think it's in stores until like next mm. week. Oh. Yeah, I would love to try it. I, I'm very familiar with Vladimir Suki's work, having worked at CGE. Obviously, he used to make a lot of games for them. So I'm I'm very interested to try this out. Last Will is one of my one of my favorite like mechanisms in a game, the deconstructing of your engine. So I, I respect him a lot as a designer. So I'd be I'd be interested to, to check it out. I'm not big on space themes. That's my one thing. I'm not super, space themes have to be done in a very, specific way to really grab my attention but um yeah, like, i like vladimir Suki i was just designer, gonna say so. there's a game called yeah, arcs that literally you may like i was right. gonna say that <laughs> i was too busy listening to cole talk and we moved on to something else but i did want to say i think arcs might be the first i said it in chat that arcs yes. might be the first space game to get me into like space themes because yeah. i typically don't like yeah. i don't know it just doesn't grab me um yeah. but yeah and uh, oh, folks on good. YouTube, you're watching this. We do do an extended uh, show where we go live on Twitch. And we talked to Cole for quite a while here. And we were talking about ARCs. So be sure to click the show notes below for a link to the extended edition. Um, let's uh, move on to our number 14. Um, oh, uh, I've got this one. A guy named Ruel's got number 14 up. Uh, this is one of my favorite games uh, of the year. I really enjoyed this one. I came out, um, I think the official re- was release was at Gen Con. It is a two-player game. And I... Honestly, I sort of overlooked this one. I wasn't really sure about it, but once I played it, I was blown away. And that's our number 14. It is Sky Team. Um, I really, oh. really enjoyed this one. This was so much oh. fun. Uh, Richard and I did I a play a live or playthrough here on uh, the channel where sick. he had the board set up and I had dice on my side and everything. It's a cooperative game, a dice placement game where you're trying to land a plane uh, safely. One, pi- one person's the pilot, others the co-pilot. Um, you roll dice behind a screen and then you take turns placing them and you're trying, you know, certain things you want to uh, unlock first or, you know, flip the switches, bring down the flaps, the landing gear. Um, you have to make sure the um, uh, runway is clear of planes. And then when you add some of the modular expansions, it's really great. You could add like an intern that you're supposed to train. You have to start thinking about fuel. So it really ramps up and oh, it's so good. And it's just so smooth and I really love this game, and you know, since I've been playing it, I I've crashed more planes than I, I care to share. Um, it's been, it's been uh, when you fly Gaviola Airlines, folks, it's a pretty bloody experience, unfortunately. But <laughs> it's a good time, and that's why it's our number fourteen Sky Team. I hope some of y'all have played this. I love this game. My neighbor brought it back from PAX. Uh, he he was like. He was very excited about it. I know you and Richard have talked about it for so long, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's one that I'm looking forward to trying out for sure. Oh, I don't know. Am I still? Chat was saying I'm echoed. I don't know if that's fixed yet, but I oh, have okay. thoughts on I have thoughts on Sky Team, but I don't want oh, yeah. to hurt. I think you're good. Uh, please, yeah, please share uh, thoughts. Uh, Am I good? It will fix okay. the audio as we go. I freaking love Sky Team, and I don't like co-ops. 
Like, point blank. I hate them. I don't like working with other people. Uh, why get points as a team if I could get points by myself and laugh yeah. at you for losing? Uh, but Sky Team is fantastic. It's one of it's one of those co-ops that really um, does something different and unique. And it in- introduces this, like, external pressure feeling. And anything with, like, communication barriers. I need stuff mm-hmm. like that for yeah. me to really like a co-op. And I, I like... And it's quick. It's easy. I really like Sky Team. It, it has those elements that I need for a co-op to work for me. Namely, the communication barrier. Some sort of external, really visceral feeling of pressure from the game itself. Which it's hard to like distill how to do that, but Sky Team does that for me. Um, and I'm so mad because I totally forgot about it. That is a game that came out this year that I've been playing like all year. I totally <laughs> forgot. But I'm glad I made it on this list somewhere. I would have been really mad. Sky Team's fantastic. It's one of the, the handful of co-ops that I actually I actually truly enjoy. So I'm glad it's on the list. Nice. I totally agree. Ray, <laughs> you and I are cut from the same cloth. I do not like yeah. most co-ops. But the ones where I have to get inside my partner's head, like Hanabi, love Hanabi. Yes. And I feel yeah. like Sky, Time does the, Sky Team does that same thing where I'm like, yes, oh, yes, what yes. nice you have behind your screen. It's great. Yeah. Great it's always fun having those moments like, why did you put that die right there? No, I need that one in the other space so I can go there. I, yeah. I love that yeah. that tension. Yeah. I think cool. that's what it is. I dislike copes, but I love arguments. I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like it when we fight. <laughs> and some co-ops... Make you fight. I like that. So yeah. I think we I think I, we learned something today. I learned something about myself here, chat. <laughs> Ray likes to fight and also please don't uh don't ever you never want Ray as your pilot or co-pilot because that's the last thing you want to see on a plane, oh, God, your pilot no. and co-pilot fighting, right? <laughs> well that's why there's the door. That's the only reason. Yeah, oh my god, I will say, okay, this is a tangential story, and I swear to god I'll keep it super short. I and I I promise it'll I'll tie it back in. I live in a really small town, and the way my my <laughs> the way my travel situation worked for PAX, I had to take a plane home and there's this really tiny local airport and I flew this teeny tiny, I didn't fly it, but I was there in this teeny tiny plane. <laughs> it was me and one other person in this entire plane. That's how small this plane was. And I could see the what? cockpit. There was nothing dividing me and the pilot. And now I feel like I have, a, yeah. And there was only one pilot. There was no co-pilot. That dude has a stroke. We're all dead. We're They're all going for down. You. It was you. terrifying. <laughs> So I I feel like I haven't played Sky Team since then, but I feel like now I need to because you can feel every little dip. I could feel they weighed you before you got on the plane. They weighed you and your stuff so they could level out the weight of distribution of the plane. And that is a mechanic in Sky Team is to try to keep the the wings level. So I feel yeah. like I, I can understand it now more, more viscerally. <laughs> so after a few games in Sky Team, you're ready to go co-pilot a plane, basically. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll like put me in. I got it. I, oh, I got I a it. four on my dice. What do you have? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Ray. Why don't we go on to our number 13? We're bringing on Alex uh, from Mighty Suggest a Game. He's uh, one of the contributors to the channel. He's got our number oh. 13 game. Uh, Alex, uh, go ahead and Take it away. Hi, I'm Alex from Might I Suggest a Game, a channel devoted to helping you find your perfect board game. And my favorite game of 2023 has got to be Thunder Road Vendetta. Now, if you're looking for a nice and strategic game that really rewards these well-thought-out decisions, then Thunder Road Vendetta is not your game. But if you want a crazy game with some really memorable moments that I've definitely described before as chaos incarnate, then this game is for you. I feel like whenever I play games, I always have that little angel and devil on my shoulder trying to pull me in different directions. 
decisions. Most of the time, I admittedly listen to the angel and try to make the most strategic or optimal play. But in Thunder Road Vendetta, it's like the angel's taking a nap and the devil is totally in control. I mean, there is some strategy involved, don't get me wrong. But if you've ever played a game and thought, mm, I know this is probably the best move for me, but man, it would be really fun to do that thing. Oh my gosh, you're gonna love this game. Thunder Road Vendetta is a Mad Maxian death race style game for one to four players from Restoration Games. Plus, it plays up to six players with the expansion. In the game, assuming you're playing with the base game, you start with three cars, a small, medium, and large car, and your goal is to be the team with the first car to cross the finish line. Now, the tricky part is when you start the race, you don't know where the finish line is. The finish line only appears as soon as one player is completely eliminated. So it's actually a racing game that plays in two phases, the first of which isn't about racing at all. I mean, sure, you want to make good decisions about maneuvering and moving around the map, but at the same time, you kind of want to stay in the middle of the pack so you can shoot at people and drop airstrikes on them and all kinds of stuff. There are really no guarantees in the game. Actually, that's not true. There is one guarantee, the guarantee that at least one of your cars is going to get completely demolished. I mean, the amount of different ways that you can die in this game is laughable, honestly. And I feel like after a number of different plays, I haven't even scratched the surface with ways to get rid of my opponents and with ways that my own cars can get destroyed. The gameplay itself is simple to pick up and it's definitely chaotic. I mean, there's a lot of dice rolls that can be really consequential. But as soon as you realize that everybody's taking the same risks as you, and if you're not risking it, you're not winning, that's for sure, then all that dice rolling just seems par for the course. Oh, and I haven't even mentioned the hazards. There are so many hazards that are on the board and they're almost all face down, which means you can always push your luck and try to take a shortcut. I mean, you could hit a ramp and get a speed boost of up to four spaces, or you could hit a pit and get eliminated immediately. But these are the decisions that you have to make in the game, and honestly, most of them have to come out of desperation. I mean, at the beginning of the game, when everybody still has their cars, there's a lot of bouncing off of one another and trying to maneuver into a good spot to shoot another person. But towards the end of the game, especially after someone's eliminated, it immediately becomes a mad dash to the finish. And trust me, people will do anything to capture that checkered flag. So is Thunder Road Vendetta the most strategic game on this list? Definitely not. But I have never ended a play of this game in my seat because I'm always standing up, looking over the table, rolling the dice, hoping and praying that I can get exactly what I need to cross the finish line first, just one turn before someone else. And to get those memorable edge of your seat moments in a board game, to me that is priceless. So if life has got you down lately and you're looking for a game where you can really just bash it out with other people, that doesn't feel too mean because trust me, they'll be bashing back. And that really leads to some amazing moments that you'll be talking about for weeks. Then might I suggest Thunder Road Vendetta. Yeah, what, what a great description of that game. I, I Now, this one was not on my radar only because I haven't played it yet because I've tried to order the game. It was so, it's been sold out, and I think, I don't know if they're coming up with a new Kickstarter or they just got it restocked, but it looks like my jam. It's got, you know, a bunch of dice chucking. It's got this cool, as uh, Alex said, Mad, Mad Maxillian uh, theme to it, um, but... I like race games, so I think this is one I need to check out ASAP. It has one of my favorite mechanisms in a game, which is that when the cars start crashing, it just tells you to keep resolving the crash until there are no more crashes. <laughs> so the cars will like go back and forth and bounce all around. And it can go for a long time, but it's just a ride. I mean, nice. It's sort of, I mean, I, I like this game quite a bit. I think it's like the anti-heat, though. Oh, okay. heat, heat is like very controlled yep. like you're always going to yeah. get a good race out of very heat and, and if you play heat and you're like but what if it were like zany then mm-hmm. then, nice. then you're in the right lane for thunder road oh i love that yeah I, as much as i enjoy heat i i feel like thunder road's more my jam because I, I do a, like a little chaos uh mixed in there 
Um, you like the zany? I like. I yeah. do like the zany. <laughs> Definitely a fan of the zany. <laughs> nice. Cool. Okay, we've got number twelve. And I like that description too. Yeah, isn't it great? Um, we're we're going to turn it over to our yeah. guest, Cole. You've got number twelve for us. Of uh, what do you have, my friend? So twelve is uh, Matt Eklund's Station Fall, published by Ion Games, came nice. out earlier this year, mm-hmm. uh, and this game. Is just, just a, a small marvel. marvel. Uh, it's, it's small marvel. marvel it doesn't, doesn't look small. So, so basically, it, it looks, looks insane. insane. If you, you just see, see I'm, I'm sure, sure all the videos have to it. There is so much stuff. There are all these cards and rules, and it seems like it's going to be completely overwhelming. But it, it plays very, very quickly. The core mechanisms are extremely simple. And what I love about it is, I feel like it has. There's five times as much cool stuff as in the big game like Nemesis but it's in one small little box. So if you've ever played a game like Nemesis and thought to yourself, I wish that it got to the punch faster and I wish it was a little bit wilder and more interesting things could happen. And I also wish I didn't have to spend $500 on all the other Nemesis stuff. Station Fall is probably like a perfect game for you. Now, one reason I like it is, you know, back back in my Halcyon days, I played a lot of Werewolf and Mafia. And these days I play lots of Blood on the Clock Tower, but those games need like 10 people. And mm. what's brilliant about Station Fall is you can play, you can get the feeling of a big social deduction game, but only play with three or four or five people, and you still get that, that feeling of the crowded room. So the way the game works is there's this big station uh, that is getting ready to crash into the Earth. You've got five minutes until it burns up in orbit. And during that period, I think it's like 15 minutes until it crashes. Uh, and on the station, there are some number of actors, maybe 12 people milling about. Every one of those actors has their own victory condition. They have their own thing that they want to do. And you can control any of them, but secretly you're playing just one. And so you can move as any of the actors and, and all the actors have, have hilarious victory conditions. It's one of those games. I'm always, <laughs> when I'm working on designs, I always think about grammar. Like what is the game asking me to do? And that, do I feel like it is well supported by the language of the game? And, you know, for example, you can play the Astro Chimp who's some like experimental <laughs> monkey that, that, that's on the space station. And the Astro Chimp's goal is to just get shiny things. And so, you know, the, the whole language of the game, they're running around, like, grabbing briefcases and stealing it. And, you know, someone else might be a reporter. They've got to get evidence and then get on the shuttle and make it home. Uh, but the chimp bumps into them and takes the, 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 uh, the briefcase. Now they're chasing a chimp through a, through a Jeffrey's <laughs> tube. It is chaotic and wonderful. Um, and is, it's exactly what, what I love to see in, in new thematic designs. I feel like it breaks a lot of new ground. But without... Without any fancy tricks, it's 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 a pretty straightforward board game. It's it's surprisingly easy to teach, and then and very very fast to play and set up. So that that's Station Fall for Matt Eklund. Got it. Cool. I'm wow. so glad this is on your list because yeah. I desperately desperately wanted to put it on my list, but I've only played it once, so I didn't feel because I don't I don't own it. I I played it yeah. I played it when I was uh, in the Czech Republic for work uh, earlier this year, and I love it. Oh my. God, you you nailed it. Like the 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 unique wind conditions. I think I played as like a frozen corpse who just needed to get dragged across the ship and thrown out the window. I think that's all I wanted. So I had to manipulate other characters to slowly drag me across the entire map. And I love that's some, so funny. It's awesome. I was the I was the frozen corpse and I was the rat. Those are the two roles that I had when we played. And it's incredible. And I also love the idea of, as a social deduction game, the idea that you're not 
you, you're not just this one person. You are, first of all, you can control all the characters on the ship, which is a really interesting mechanism for a social deduction game. And then also like the way I understood sort of the narrative structure, you are you are not a person, you are like an influence over the game. There was like a whole, yeah. there's a whole interesting layer into what Ooh. your role is as the person at the table in this sort of arena that you're playing in. And God, this game is so good. And it looks nuts on the table. And I we, we played it in this big, we're at this gaming retreat. And every time people pass us, they're like, what is this? Because it's huge. It's massive. And I, same with you. I love social deduction games. Blood in the Clock Tower is one of my favorite games. And oh God, Station Falls so good. So I'm glad you put it on this list because I didn't okay. feel like my one play warranted, you know, game of the year status, but I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it and um, and backed up well, my, and, my and I'm just And I'm so happy to say that the more you play it, the more it has to give. It is just, it is a great yes. work. And it, it is one of those things that I'll say that some of the games, and I'll, I'll put in contrast to Sky Team. Sky Team is an incredibly good game that is so carefully designed. Mm. Like, it, like it's almost impossible to dislike Sky Team. Yeah. And Station Fall looks crazy. And, I, and so I think you have to know going into it that you got to be a little yeah. crazy to, to, to get on its wavelength. Uh, but, but, if, but if you do, there's, uh, there, there's just a lot of treasure to be found. Love that. Awesome. Yeah. And I can, um, I can kind of attest to how this game looks more complicated than it is. My, my mom played this game with me. My mom's a big board gamer, but she hits a complexity sort of barrier. And this, this game is weirdly accessible for how in, insane it looks cool. on, on the table. Yeah, I, I'm sold. I, I I totally want to put this in. The thing I, I love, based on your descriptions and just what I've seen on BGG in that, that video, I'm not a social deduction fan, but this is the game I would definitely mm-hmm. give a shot. Um, it's like Mafia or Werewolf, like, it's just not really my jam. But then you start intru- introducing some mechanisms like this and, you know, on a board, like I'm I'm down for that. So, and it's it's space and it's got chimps and all kinds of things. I Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Let's move on to, one. what do we got? Number 11, uh, we've got our friends 11. Amy and Maggie from Thinker Themer joining us. Uh, let's get that video rolling and um, give me just a second here. Uh, Amy and Maggie, what do you have for us? Um, here. Thema and from Run Throughs here on Rado yeah. Runs Through. We have loved contributing to the channel this year and we're here to talk about our favorite game of 2023. Shall Ooh, I bring it in? The top of the list. Let's do it. It yes. is... Hegemony. Hegemony. What an excellent, excellent, innovative uh, gaming experience. So Hegemony is a game that was really truly developed from the theme ground up. And it, it manages to replicate or almost will simulate the different dynamics and the frictions and the push and pull of the different social classes. So players are going to play very asymmetrically. Someone's going to be playing as the working class, someone's the middle class, someone's the capitalist, and someone will be the state trying to keep everybody else in a bit of balance. And there are these completely asymmetric decks that you're going to be playing cards from that are going to help push your agenda. Um, But it's really easy to... Because it's so thematic, it's yeah. easy to think about what you need to get done. As the working class, you want to feed your people yeah. and you're looking for the basics of healthcare and education. Whereas yeah. at the other end of the spectrum, if you're the capitalist, well, then you're importing goods and you're selling them at a profit. You are setting up businesses to attract workers mm. to make you more products that yeah. you can sell. <laughs> and sometimes you might even buy an island. You so know? you have very different priorities. All in a capitalist uh, day's work. Different uh, Maslow hierarchy. Yeah. 
therapy of yeah. needs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but this game is not just thematic; it's also mechanically really、mm. interesting. There's、um, a policies table where you're going to be trying to negotiate with each other to help get certain policies passed.、Mm. So, for example, there will be items、uh, about free healthcare, or、yeah. there might be、uh, immigration or different tax policies, and you might need to side with each other for different elements of that because the way that it's worked out is by people contributing、yes. to a bag of votes, and then the votes are going to be pulled out, and th- those policies are really going to dictate how the game flows. This creates for such incredible、uh, conversations and just. Overall, the dynamics, the understanding of like, oh,、mm. that's why this plays out like、mm-hmm. this in real life. Because of course, if this is my motivation, this is what's going to happen. I think it's just such an incredible、uh, feat to also make a, t- a theme that could be so dry. Be so fun. It, I mean, if you're only into fantasies,、uh, fantasy yeah, in space, this might not be the game for you. But for us, this is perfect fodder for a game. Yeah, it's super interesting. And in a year of brilliant game、uh, releases, this one really stood out as being innovative. So that is saying something. Yeah.、Um, but yeah, wait to see what 2024 has in store. If this is how, then it was such a tough. Pick for、It、this was. year. It was, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, thank you so very much for everything. We look forward to playing more games and seeing you all in 2024. And we will just say bye for now. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays! Bye. I'm kicking myself for not backing this on Kickstarter、uh, because this looks wonderful.、That's、I know Richard、thing. was really hyped about this one, and. I'm actually glad we have Cole on today because I feel like Cole. This game, I feel like, is in your <laughs> wheelhouse. Am,、yeah. I, am I right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's interesting. So I've I haven't played it. I've read the rules, and I'm interested. I really want to try it. And it is,、um, you know, here's what here's what I'll say about just my impression from having worked in games about class and having read the rules.、Mm-hmm. Um, this game shows. What diversity there is within the same style of game, because I think it's about as different from the kind of games that I work on as could be, but it, it bears some similarities too. And I think it、um, it really my sense of the of the game is that it really leans into that asymmetric framework where it says like, look, we're going to kind of present lightly caricatured versions of these different classes, and then we're going to ask you to like inhabit those roles. Once you get in your role, though, you're you're kind of stuck in your role. Uh, which is a place that's very different from stuff that I've worked on, but I think that the the setting is is really compelling, and it, it was really fun to see the game do well, especially from a relatively new publisher, because it's a it's a big swing, you know, yeah, and this, yeah, is, yeah. this is not the not the easiest topic to, to land, but people seem to really love it, and I'm I'm really happy for them. So I hope they make more weird stuff. <laughs> and it's a it's a long play time too. I know I'm in the same boat, having read the rules,、uh, been really interested. It was my pick of the week on my Kickstarter wrap up show that I do. I just thought it looked so unique and innovative, and something that I really want to try. But and I know a lot of people in my in my Discord have been talking about it a ton,、uh, enjoying it, enjoying the solo mode. Um, and and also recommending that the first time you play, they're like play with the f- get the four people who are in to play that one that one time, so you、yep. can see all the all of the moving parts, and then you can scale down to like your solo or your two player and and put in like the automated、uh, opponents. But I just think I think that the concept is is so cool, and it, it looks it, it, it's a, it's a it's a investment in terms of time, and like you want to make sure you got a got the group for it. But if you do, I think this one's gonna gonna really, really slap. Yeah, nice.
Okay, so that's our number 11. We are counting down the top 16 games of 2023. And Ray, we've got our number 10 ready for us. All right, so this is a game. So last last show, I, I said I consider myself a connoisseur of end-of-the-night games, and this is one of my favorites in this genre right now. And it's a game that was a late, late-comer to my the games that I played this year. I actually played this at PAX this year, but I've played it so much since PAX that I feel confident putting it on this list. And this is a game called Drapolter, with the tagline being ghost versus palm muscle. What does that mean? Let me tell you. (laughs) So this is a game by Oink. It's a dexterity game where you drop things. And that's it. That's the game. You drop things. And I absolutely adore games where when you describe them, people go, huh? That's not a game. And then you play it with them and you realize how it is a game and that it's fantastic. So this is literally a game where you're all going to have a handful of knickknacks. There's like a cube and like a little waffle and a key and a ring and a shell. You're going to hold all these things in your hand and then you're going to flip over a cart. And that cart is going to have a certain number of those things depicted on it. And your goal is to drop just those things out of your hand. This sounds really easy and so, kind of dumb. It's, I mean, it is, but it's it's really like fun. I love... I, I love party games. I also love that it's a dexterity game that isn't just about having steady hands. Like obviously you need to have, you need to be able to articulate your fingers and have fine motor skills, but it's the total polar opposite of like a Jenga or something where you're trying to have very uh, steady hands. And so you're trying to shake your hand, you're trying to manipulate your hand so only the right things drop out of your hand. First person to drop the correct things grabs this little ghost token in the middle and they get a point. And this is where my favorite part of Drapolter comes in, which is what are the points in Drapolter? Well, there are these really obnoxious, teeny tiny little bells that you must now hold in your hand for the rest <laughs> of the game. And it's so cute. At the beginning, everyone shakes up their palms and you can hear who has the most points because they've got all these bells in their hand. So for the first round, without I've played this with a ton of groups now. Without fail, the first round, what everyone will do is when the card is flipped over, they'll grab with their thumb the things that aren't on the card and then just tip their hand over. And that's great. That works. The second you get these little bells, they're in your hand. And if you ever drop a bell, you lose that point. So you it, it scales in difficulty as you're getting more points. By the time you have four or five bells, it's you have to you go from being really chaotic and fast with it to being really meticulous and like trying to articulate your fingers perfectly. And your bells will sometimes be intertwined with the things you're trying to get out. And you can't use your other hand. You've got to just wiggle. I love it. It's silly. It's fun. I love a dexterity game. Um, and I also just love Oink as a publisher. I feel like they always, they don't always hit, but they always do something weird. Everything from Oink is some out-of-the-box concept. And this one, I think for the concept that it is, it's the game where you drop stuff. It's a really well-executed version of the game where all you do is drop stuff. And I and I love it. I this was my go-to all of that. Whenever you had five minutes at the bar, I was like, do you want to play this game where you drop stuff with me? And it was a huge hit. So this is Drapolter. That's my uh, number 10 on Game of the Year. I'm dead. That's so funny. That's <laughs> it's, it's so good. I, I love it's it. great. <laughs> I almost have no words. Like, well, I'm going to say this right. weird dexterity games on this yeah. channel. Yeah. I eyes, swear I played little eyes. Games. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to say this. Ray, that's two for two now. Uh, Ray recommended Yum Yum Island yeah. recently. I bought that. And now I'm going to have to go buy Drapolter. It's just... It looks so wacky, and I, I swear I, I love play games, games that aren't dexterity. But <laughs> no, that's your yeah. brand now. That is your brand. Yeah, it's that's stuck with me now. <laughs> <laughs> Great, yeah, nice. no, I, I adore it. It's so cute and silly. 
and it's an oink game, so it comes in this little tiny box, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I love, I love oink games. <laughs> like, like you said, not every, not all the oink games hit, but when they do, they're, I mean, they're a blast. And yeah. uh, this one, I can't wait to play. Hundred percent. Okay, uh, oh, let's uh, thank you for that, Ray. Let's move on to number nine. Uh, Rich is going to uh, bring nine. us his number nine uh, from the lovely beach in Mexico where he's at. And let me get over here. <laughs> Um, rub it in. Yeah, rub it in. Uh, let's go over to Richard and... Oh, I hit pause, so... Uh, Richard, take it away, my friend. I hope that... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay. Hey, everybody. This has been a great list so far. I love some of these entries. Chris, man, I really need to try Holotype. I know how much you love it. Kimberly loved it too when she ran through it on the channel. Dinosaurs. Awesome. Um, But Paolo, evacuation. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be playing this later this week in that very RV back there, maybe at this very pier we find ourselves in to see if it makes it into my personal top 10. Because it's Vladimir Sushi. How could it not be awesome? Ruel, Sky Team. Oh baby, you know how much I love that one. And one of the best, maybe the best run through on the channel this year was you and me having a great time trying not to crash a plane playing that one. Uh, Thunder Road Vendetta. Alex, don't know anything about it. Not my cup of tea. But if we ever make it back home, maybe we'll play it. That should be fun. Cole, Station Fall. This one, I'm so glad it's on the list. I can't wait to hear you talk about it. I've heard Scott Alden, the head of Board Game Geek, rave about this game all year long. He's been going on about it. So it's definitely something that I would like to check out. Obviously, it's not going to work two-player, but someday maybe I'll get a chance. Amy and Maggie's Hegemony. Oh, man. This game is so amazing. Maybe the most um, ambitious game on this list. In the end, I was kind of a little bummed how two-player works. It works okay, but this is definitely better for more players. And Ray, um, Doppelter. Ah, Ray, I'm so happy you're here talking about games I never would have heard of. Otherwise, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. Now, folks, number nine on the list. Let me just go on ahead and break it down for you. It's amazing. It's even fall. And um, on a surface, it's a really fairly straightforward uh, you know, card drafting, engine building game along the lines of a uh, race for the galaxy type thing. We are a coven of witches trying to cast spells. But there are a few things that really make this game stand out. The most important one is when you play cards, they uh, go into kind of a common area where they are available to be used for harvesting resources as time goes on. But what you eventually need to do is move those cards out of that harvesting area, which means you can no longer pull power from them, which is painful. But if you can do that, then that means they become scoring cards as well. This kind of harkens back to one of my all-time favorite games, Elysium. And this game probably does it even better than that one did. I think this one's going to make it on a lot of folks' top 10s 
of the year. The only reason it wouldn't is because not very many people played it yet, but folks, I think it's probably going to go wide in 2024. If you want to know more about it, you can watch my run through uh, because Jen and I fell hard in love with number nine, Evenfall. Okay. Hey. Oh. Hi. We okay, we're back. Sorry. Hello. <laughs> A little internet hiccup there on my end. Uh, but yeah, uh, Evenfall, uh, friends. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know anyone, in at least in my circle of uh, gaming friends, that has it yet. Um, I know we're all excited to try it, but has anyone gotten a call to this yet? No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so Richard is. Uh, okay, you know what's going to be even better than that one, a, number eight. I wonder who's going to get that. to the beach. <laughs> it's in the beach, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully, we'll, uh, he can bring that copy back from Mexico and we can, uh, we can play that one. So. Um, we let's move on to number eight. Uh, who's is this back to you, Chris? Yeah, it is. No, you. It's me. It's me. Yeah, number eight. I think so. Two. I'm I'm fairly certain. And if it isn't, I'm taking it. You are taking uh, it. Number sir. eight. <laughs> <laughs> number eight is a game that I'm going to change my rating of on this this show right now. I was like, ah, when I rated it uh, on my own channel, I gave it like a four point five out of five. Now nah, it's a five out of five. This game's incredible. Oh. It's it's City of the Great Machine. Um, mm, nice. City of the Great Machine, which is, is this uh, one versus all game of hide and seek. It's so, so fun. The other reason I was like, ah, you know what? I sh I'm not a solo player. Uh, and so I didn't like play the solo version. I was like, I, I don't see how it, it being a, a really good solo um, game in itself. And then I and then I got schooled in the comments by by everybody who watched the review. They're like, no, the solo is the best part. Do the solo. I'm like, all right. I have no notes. It's great. Um, it's it's such a fun game. One player plays the Great Machine. They are referred to as the Great Machine. It is in the rule book that you must refer to this player as the Great Machine. Uh, and then the other players play the Revolutionaries. So there's always three Revolutionaries. You can have a team of three or just one player controlling all of them. Doesn't matter. Uh, on your turn, the Revolutionaries will decide where they go. They'll put a card face down. They're like, okay, I'm going to go to this part of the district and I'll get to do a thing there. They commit to that. And then it's up to the great machine to then make all of their actions and move, trying to anticipate the movements of the revolutionaries. And so the great machine, also when you're playing as a group, if there's a group of three, they're all trying to communicate with each other. They're holding up cards. They're like, yeah, I should, I should go here. I should, uh, do you think I should? Yeah, and then we do... But maybe we and and they can't say anything because they're sitting right in front of the great machine who's just like, hmm, where are you going, my precious revolutionaries? Where might you be? And so you get this incredible like experience of the great machine just getting to watch and the revolutionaries being like, Okay, should I go there? And there might they might try to like bluff it out to the great machine as if they've let something slip, or they might not. Uh, but even not at with that sort of four player count, even at a two player count, it's this really fun like trying to read each other's minds um, game of okay, this location is really exposed. I as revolutionaries can go and and start a riot there because I need three riots to win as the revolutionaries. And, and so I'm. It's really open, but is that a trap? 
right? Is the great machine sort of luring folks away from there because they want me to go there and then they're just gonna they're gonna move all their people back in and, and really really screw me over. It's it's such an awesome awesome balance of this hidden movement game. The things you get to do are super fun. Every character has their own special power, which of course you need to have that now in every board game because it's very fun to have that special <laughs> power. Um, it's yeah, it's it's just a really a really slick game. It was one of those games again that was like my pick of the week way back when I I saw it in crowdfunding and then I I got the opportunity to try it out. And it just hit it hit everything that I was hoping it to do. Uh, it, it, it's it's really fun. I played this with people who are brand new to board gaming, and they they loved it. Like they got so involved in it. Um, the, the only thing, if you don't like working in that team and you're forced to be on the team, right? Sometimes that 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 kind of gives it a little bit of a dip. But even still, like it's great as a two player, great as that that four player experience, and apparently it's really great solo. So. Uh, an awesome hidden movement game, City of the Great Machine. Really, really. That's, that's my that's my personal number one. Uh, oh. This is this is the last time I get to contribute to a number to this list. <laughs> so, so I just want to be clear. That's like my number one. It, it was just such a blast. Yeah, I had a great time with it. Uh, so, um, have you? I forget, uh, Chris. Have you soloed it, or you haven't played? A solo I, game? I haven't. I, I'm I haven't. wondering how a hidden movement game works solo. I've never done a hidden movement game solo. I didn't so. think it would, but yeah. I got schooled in the comments. I got schooled okay. in the comments by people saying, "Like, listen, solo is great." I'm nice. Like, okay, I I trust I trust you all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome. this looks really good. I had never, I'd never heard of this. I'm glad it's on this list. I love hidden movement. It's another, mm. it's another mm. genre that I really love that I think doesn't get done enough. Uh, and one versus yeah. many as well is fantastic. So I'm gonna definitely, ch- definitely check it out. Um, especially because you said it works for new players, which that's is surprising. surprising. And it was, yeah. a, it was a long game. Spend... It was a long game, and but it was, it was tight until it wasn't. You know, I okay. Yeah, I was the great machine. It was the first time I was playing as well, but I was the great machine. And there was, there's, you you get the one move where where you get them all. You you anticipate every single one of the moves. You get them all, and then they they uh, they died after that. But um, (laughs) awesome. All right. Great. Right, great. Thank you for that. And uh, as you saw there, that was uh, Shay running through it on the channel here. Um, let's move on to number seven, and we're bringing it back to our guest, Cole. You have the honor for, with number seven. All right. So my, so I, all three of the ones that I picked are very different games. So if you thought Station Falls sounded great, I bet this next one's going to be also perfect for me. You're probably going to be disappointed, <laughs> uh, but but maybe not. So my my set. Seventh on the list, my second pick is Earthborn Rangers, uh, designed by a whole mess of people, but led by Andrew Fisher, who's um, formerly a b- bunch of uh, FFG exiles, basically. Mm. And this game, I I didn't know what it was. Like it was on it was on crowdfunding, and it really led with the with, with its eco friendly production, and with the fact that it was going to be instead of being produced in one spot, they were going to produce it by zone. So if you got a copy, it might have been made in Europe or made in a different continent. Um, but I didn't actually know what the game was, and, and when it when it finally got to me, I was totally taken by it. So over the last several years, I've started getting interested in how living card games work, especially co-op living card games. Because it's a genre that I have a lot of natural animosity to. It's it's fiddly. There's a high buy-in. It's hard to teach. But I w- was just interested in like, oh well, how are people like you know one of the best studios that used to make uh, narrative games and, and really immersive games, FFG. They now mostly make living card games. 
So those games are being made by some of the most talented designers. What sort of games are they making? And I have found them to be really remarkable because the thing when you play a game like Arkham or the Lord of the Rings card game, uh, what's happening is there's a very simple framework that the designer then says, look at this interesting thing we can do with it. Because now you're on a train that's being slowly like falling into a hole. And now you're in a dreamscape. And they're using a pretty simple set of mechanisms to do it. But one of the problems with living card games is they have really high buy-ins and they're so fiddly. It's hard to manage your, your, your collections and store everything. And Earthborn Rangers is not like that. If you've ever wanted to explore a campaign-based living card game, this is just one of the best start, starting places you could possibly be. Uh, you, you, you could possibly have. It is a massive game uh, where pl the players are navigating this huge wilderness and it's sort of up to you to explore it. It really feels like, I think, it feels like Breath of the Wild as a board game. Uh, and so, you know, you have this big map and you get to just sort of explore however you want. The character creation is so simple. Um, and it, it has all these fascinating little uh, quality of life improvements that uh, make the game feel so much fresher than a lot of the other living card games I've played. One thing I also love about it is it, it has a really interesting... Um, resting mechanism so if you're playing like a hard level well it's a game about travel and so you could just stop though and say i'm going to camp here you reshuffle your deck you get your health back and then you could approach that 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 setting a little bit differently but, but there's a, a game clock that's always ticking when you do that so you could choose you know if, if you don't want to have too hard of a time of it you could spend a lot of days climbing that mountain it's a hard mountain to climb or if, if, if you're trying to get something done in a certain time interval you can you can really push yourself and in the same way that we, when you play one of the open world zelda games how you choose to frame every adventure is kind of up to you uh, and then really changes the quality of, of, the, of the place that you're exploring. I feel like Earthborn does that just in spades. The other thing that I love about the game is how the enemy behaviors work. So this is not a game where you're just trying to kill everything. Like mm. one of the first things that happened when I played the game is, uh, you know, I was trying to climb up this boulder and uh, I was in this wooded path and a wolf came up in front of me. I thought, oh no, okay, I have to deal with this wolf. And you can you could attack it. You could also study it. And if you study it enough, you can just kind of pass through it. But what ended up happening on an event roll is the wolf saw some prey and just like ran off to go deal with the prey. And it was this oh. amazingly immersive experience in a board game where I felt like, oh, I'm not like the most important thing, part of the story. And I can just kind of explore it at my own pace a little bit. Uh, so if you've ever been interested in how living card games work or what they might offer, I just want to say Earthborn Rangers, by, published by Earthborn Games, it's their first major title, is a really remarkable piece of design. And it's also a great uh, instance of if you if you care about the kind of games that uh, maybe you really loved what this kind of stuff that FFG was doing 10 years ago, follow those people because they're still making interesting things. They just may not be at FFG anymore. Wow. Um, so... I'm, this is the second game I'm added to my must must buy list after the show. This mm -hmm. looks incredible. And uh, Cole, that you hit on things where the reason why I haven't gotten to um, living card games is because of those things that you had mentioned. You know, there's it's a huge buy in at first, and it can be super fiddly. Um, I have friends that are super into them, and my experience has always been not not the greatest, but. This seems like it was tailor-made for me as far as I can jump into this and experience it. And um, I, yeah, this looks fantastic. This was sort of the number one buzz at PAX, I felt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, there was, yeah. if there was one, uh, I, I heard a lot of talk about this. And I know people were like 
running to the booth to try to get a to try to get a copy and that they ran out because it was so popular. So I, I I love hearing that it's that it's killing it for for all the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I also love that description of Breath of the Wild, the the board game, because again, normally this kind of thing doesn't really doesn't really call to me, but that description plus sort of the way you were talking about it almost feels TTRPG adjacent. Like it, there is yep. some opportunities for role play and and creating your own path. That's that's very interesting. So yeah, yeah, yeah and I'll and I'll just say you know Earthborn, uh, the games as a company is run by Andrew Navarro, who also is one of the lead designers in the game, and they're they're also based in the Twin Cities. So I've got hometown hometown pride, oh, nice. pride nice. in this. Very so cool. a local company. Yeah. I think they're doing really interesting work. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Uh, let's move on to our number six. Uh, who's got this one? Oh, that would be me. Uh, this will be, so this is going to be my number one, personal number one, uh, number six on the list. And I mean, this game, I feel like has been hyped all year long. Um, I'm just going to jump right to it. I'm not, I'm going to cut to the chase. It's Last Light by uh, Roy Canaday. Uh, it is a Forex game that, yes, it does play in about an hour, folks, which I never thought would be possible. Um, I'm a, as folks know, I'm a, a fan of uh, Twilight Imperium, and Roy is too. He's a huge fan of 4X games, uh, this one in particular, and also um, uh, Heroes of uh, Land, Air, and Sea. And he's distilled that down into Last Light, where you can play simultaneously, basically. It's a simultaneous action uh, selection game when you're playing cards. And there's only, I think it's like a set of seven or eight cards that everyone has. You play them, and then you just resolve, and eventually you're going to expand your empire you're going to exploit them and uh you know get the resources and build more ships and pew 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 uh that's my technical term for 4x games um and it's a race to 20 light or 20 victory points and it is it's so much fun i was uh, i was really skeptical as far as the playtime is concerned but I played it at two players, four players, and um, with the expansion, eight players. And every single game has gone around an hour. And it, it's remarkable to me. The two-player game, it's got a little dummy player that you play with, and I thought it was really easy to manage. Um, this is me and my buddy Daryl playing on my channel. This was the uh, two-player version uh, variant. And everything about it is just, it's a simplified 4X game, of course, to get it down to that hour. But it does give me that feel of, hey, I've started my corner of the universe I've expanded out, and now I rule the universe by getting 20 uh, light points. So everything about it just uh, hits with me. It is uh, a lot of fun, and that's why it's my personal number one and number six on the list, Last Light. I can't believe that's all you need to rule the universe. It's just 20 yeah, light points? That's yeah, it. It's like such Who a simple cost to pay to rule the whole universe. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought it, right? Just 20 light um, yeah, uh, you know, having Roy uh, teach me was a really, you know, it was a bonus, of course. You know, he taught me at, I think it was Dice Tower West two years ago. And I actually played it with Amy and Maggie the first time uh, in prototype form. And I remember the final version wasn't that different from what we played about a year and a half or two years ago. So it's, you know, he's been developing that for years, of course. And I, I think it's a really cool design and something, you know, I, I would love to see him design more games. I, I think it, it was excellent. Yeah, it's a it's a very impressive debut design. I had a similar experience with it as well. As well, I got to um, get it demoed to me by Roy at I think one of the Dice Tower retreats uh, mm -hmm. like a year or two years ago, um, and I'm really glad I did because again, I don't like space games, but I was like, anytime I have the opportunity to learn a game from the designer, I will always say yes because learning a game straight from the person who made it is always a worthwhile experience, even if it's not a game you would have normally picked up. And I was. Very pleasantly surprised. Forex games are not usually my jam, but the speed of this makes it very, very accessible. We played with a huge group. I don't, yeah. uh, I didn't get the final production version of it, but I don't know if what the player count is. But we played with like ten people or something insane oh, yeah. like that. It was, yeah. 
it was wild. It was a really, it was a really unique experience. And I'm, and I'm glad that for folks who like that genre, this is um, becoming a real staple. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm, oh. I got nothing to say. Roy, Roy's been hustling and, and demoing <laughs> yeah, it for so many people. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to demo it. It was at WSBG, the World Series yeah. of Board Gaming, but I was running around working the whole time. But if there was one thing that I wanted to try, I was like, ah! Oh. Every time I ran by and saw like Roy running a game of Last Light, I'm like, come on, why do I have to go do this thing? Uh, it seems really <laughs> cool. I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Uh, and I was just going to uh, add that uh, that... The, the time element in the game is, is a huge draw, right? Because uh, even if you're not into the 4X genre, the fact that you could bang out a game in 45 minutes to an hour, I think it's like, hey, maybe more people will dip their toes into yeah. something that they may not normally like. So kudos to Roy. And that's our number six. So let's move on to our number five. We've got another special guest coming in through, through video. This is our friend, Grant Lyon. Um, he is going to be revealing number five for the channel in just a second here. And... I think I know what this one's going to be. Oh, you know what it's going to be. Okay, cool. Uh Grant, take it away. I'm Grant with Grant's it's gonna be Game Block Party. My number That's one my game time. of 2023 is Apiary from Stonemaier Games. This is about space bees. <laughs> I love space bees. I've heard some people say, oh, fun. the theme is pretty weird. Fun. And I'm like, exactly. That's one of the reasons I like it. Apiary is a worker placement game, uh, but it does worker placement in a slightly different way, and this is one of the reasons I'm obsessed with the game. You go to a spot, and someone else can still go to that spot that you're at and bump you off of that spot, and then it takes your worker up in power. So if I'm at a spot with a one, someone else comes there, my worker comes back to me, but now it's a two, and it can do better stuff out on the board. And I love that for a couple of reasons. One, it makes worker placement not very mean. You know, I'm not blocked out from a spot. I still need to consider whether I wanna go there because I'm gonna help you if I go there and do I really wanna help you? But it's not like, oh no, I, my turn is ruined because I can't go there. And because of that, it makes turns quick. It makes turns snappy because there's no like, oh, you've just ruined my plan and now I need five minutes to figure out what to do instead of that. And the other thing I like about the bumping mechanism is that you can kind of try to set yourself up to bump yourself. There is a strategy where you're like, okay, how do I go somewhere that then I can come there the next turn to power up my own workers? I need to try to power up this to a four because fours can do special things on the board. And so I like that consideration of thinking about how can I bump myself or where can I go that I think the next player is going to bump me because I want to try to power up my workers very quickly right now to do this special thing. And four value workers can do interesting special stuff on the board but once a four value worker is used they then hibernate you lose them for a while so there's an interesting timing aspect to like when do i want to do this epic turn but then set myself up for other stuff and i, I don't know you know i like worker placement in general and this is one of my favorite worker placement games i've played because of that bumping mechanism you know there's fun little space bees and stuff like that in the game doesn't hurt to have space bees that's what i've always said that's how i live my life is looking for space bees so yeah i hope you had a great year in gaming uh, happy holidays everybody hey i'm great so there is um, space bees in this game, and 
something uh, something about uh, worker placement and uh, Stonemire games just go hand in hand together. I, I've uh, you know, we talked about uh, with Jamie uh, last time. I love viticulture, and uh, I think this is like the next extension of hey, here's some new unique things uh, going on with uh, worker placement in this game. Yeah, I I love this game. This was this was on my list, and when it wasn't given to me as one of the two I was talking about, I was very curious about who who put it higher up on their list and stole talking about it from me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Apiary is so fantastic. I love that. I mean, he I agree with everything you said. I won't I won't you know drone on and on about it. But yeah, the bumping mechanism is great. I love I love worker placements. I love mean worker placements, but it's lovely to have an option that is a little bit friendlier, yeah. uh, and that's a little bit feels a little less punishing to folks, and that almost engine type thing you can build up of where you're placing your bees and bumping them off to get them at the right level so you can place them again as genius uh and i i adore this game this game is fantastic nice <laughs> and right uh, yeah <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was i thought it was a uh, uh pretty slick as well. it reminded me a lot of village if which i mm. feel like i referenced that before, we talked about this last but, show yeah. Uh, did, yeah 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 cool. yeah there we go that's all it. right check right. out the last show like, <laughs> that's <"Here>, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to our uh, number four. Uh, we're going to turn it back to Ray for our number four on the list. Yeah. So my uh, my second favorite genre of board game, besides apparently goofy dexterity games, uh, is really thematic worker placements, which is part of why I loved Apiary. Uh, and when I'm not playing Apiary right now, the other game I'm playing is a game called Darwin's Journey, mm. uh, which really surprised me. I looked at this game and I went, meh. Is gray and brown and meh, and I, I was I I was like it's a game about evolution, but there's no like evolution. The, the evolution didn't really play into it. And I wasn't convinced, but I got it, and I love this game so very much. Um, basically, you're following Darwin on his journey through the Galapagos, discovering animals, um, writing le- letters home, traversing the islands, all that stuff. Um, And yeah, this game is great. My favorite thing about it. So it's a basic worker placement game, right? The top section of the board, you've got these worker placement spots. The bottom section, you have a map of the Galapagos where you are going out and exploring and discovering different animals. And then you have this little section in the middle that serves as a museum where you can display the various animals that you've discovered. My favorite thing about this game, uh, to keep it kind of keep it kind of snappy, what I love about it is how you level up your workers. So each of your workers is going to be slowly gaining these stamps, like in different colors. So red stamps, blue stamps, green stamps, yellow stamps. And those stamps correspond to different locations. So some like worker placement spots, you need to have a yellow stamp in order to go there. So it's almost like your workers are gaining these like stats. And I just love it. I love worker placement. And I love that this game puts that twist on it. And it's also really mean. This game is really restrictive, especially at two players. You have, you're constantly having to pay to go to spots that someone else isn't even on, but that someone else is near that spot that you want to go to. You're constantly having to spend money in those early games. And I love um, really like restrictive um, kind of mean worker placement games. And I just love building up your workers and getting those stamps. Um, Yeah. So I love, I love Darwin's journey. Uh, The only thing I wish is that I wish that theory of evolution thematically was a little bit more potent, but for what it is for the crunchy worker placement that it is, uh, I was really genuinely very surprised by, by Darwin's journey. Nice. I, I love that we've gone from an oink game, Ray, all the way to the other side. I feel like with Darwin's journey. That is <laughs> I awesome. I like love all that. kinds of games. 
Yes. Never predict true. my next move. Yes. True <laughs> Omni gaming right there. That's beautiful. I love it. It's the beautiful <laughs> yeah. tapestry of what we can. Yeah, that's awesome. I thought this looked so good and I'm glad to yeah. hear that it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. it's really, really, it's a really solid worker placement game. I've been, my mom and I've been playing this nonstop since we, since we got it. I see. I looked at it and I thought it was going to be like a very non-confrontational kind of modern style worker placement. And so I didn't get it and I haven't played it yet. And your description has me completely uh, piqued my interest. Turn in the corner. It's not just blocking each other from spots. Like in in that map section on the Galapagos, you can never be on the same spot as some. So you're following this like path around the Galapagos, right? You can never be on the same spot as someone else, but you can also never go backwards. So someone can kind of just camp on one spot and just not let you have it. If you don't like confrontational worker placement games, you're not going to like this. I, as Mm -hmm. we've already established, love an argument. So this game is great (laughs) for me. Um, And I was also just surprised. I I wasn't, when I first saw it, I wasn't immediately grabbed by it. Um, I'm really glad that I, that I got the retail version and got it to the table because I, I really like it. All right. Great. Thanks, Ray. Let's move on to our number three. We've got yet another special guest uh, coming in through the magic of video. Let's bring on uh, Kimberly Tolson of uh, Tabletop Tolson and let me press the buttons and do the things. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Kimberly here, and I have got my pick for 2023. I can't wait to get to it, but I did want to mention two run-throughs that I did for Rotter's channel that I just really, really liked. They didn't top my chart, but they were great, and I just couldn't not talk about them. So the first one is The Witcher Old World. I really liked this, and if you saw my run through in my final thoughts, you know I really liked it. Thematically, it's just spot on to the existing IP. I love the mechanics. I think it's just so fun and adventurous. It never matters if you win or lose in this game. I just had a blast. So The Witcher Old World is a great one. And then the other one that surprised me is Unmatched Adventures Tales to Amaze. And that surprised me in that it really revived this kind of unmatched um, dueling for me in the sense that you're all cooperatively playing against baddies. And I found it to be just a clean system. You can incorporate all the other unmatched characters. Very dynamic, very versatile, and again, just surprised me with the cooperative nature of it. So those were two run-throughs that I did that I thought were just really good, but my number one pick for the year is The White Castle. So... In the White Castle, players are vying for influence in this castle, and they can do it in a variety of ways. They have farmers that they place out by bridges, and those are going to give them ongoing benefits 
and immediate benefit, um, and then they also were going to give victory points at the end of the game. And they trigger by uh, checking the remaining dice on the bridges at the end of each round, which is a really cool feature. I'll talk about that in a second. The other way is that you place courtiers into the castle, uh, rising in ranks. The higher you go in the castle, the more victory points you get. And as you go, you're also taking these cards and placing them in your personal player area, getting this engine building system that goes alongside with your lantern. I always forget the lantern. I can't remember the lantern word, <laughs> but that's going to be your lantern when you activate that particular action. It's going to grow and grow and get better and better as the game continues. And then the last place you can place these uh, little figures from your player board is out into the training grounds. And those are your warriors and they give you immediate bonuses. And they also are going to give you multipliers for your courtiers inside the castle. Now the game works with this really cool dice worker placement. And I love it. The dice are all rolled. They're placed on this bridge. There are three different colors and they are arranged from left to right, low to high. And you're going to take a die and you're going to place it into the castle or on your personal player board. And in a uh, more than two player game, you get to stack dice. Now, when you put a die down or you stack one die on top of another, you look at the pips underneath it and you will gain that money if your die pips are higher in that value. So I place a six on top of a four, I'm going to gain $2. But if I place a four on top of a six, I have to pay $2. And so there's this really fascinating charge for the worker placement where you put it and then you activate that particular place, gaining all kinds of resources because yes, there's resource management in this. You're going to build up that uh, essentially your, your own player area with the lantern cards um, and you're going to be taking away those figures on your board that give you better and better bonuses when you want to run um, your courtiers essentially. Ah, just really, really cool. I like it. I think it's just to streamline enough. The game box says 70 minutes, but I actually think it takes a lot less time because there are only nine turns in the game. You get three turns per round and there are three rounds. And you just take a die, place it out, do the action. And that's it. So I think games take between 30 and 45 minutes to play. And that just, I mean, icing on the cake. I mean, cherry on top. It just fits so well. Lovely theme, great mechanics, great design. I think the White Castle is a fantastic pick for my 2023. Hey, everybody. Yeah, what a, oh, I, I was really excited about this one it was it made my top um of the year uh what it was narrowed down to like my top five i i really enjoyed this one um the designers of red cathedral of course this is uh their next uh game the white castle um i'm assuming there's gonna be a blue something in the future who knows but um yeah. very <laughs> very uh, i feel like it's an accessible euro game um it's got it does like classic euro things uh you know pushing cubes and stuff but in a really cool way with the dice uh placement i i love it and uh, as kimberly noted nine turns that's it so you gotta be efficient and it's it's a lot of fun i'm i'm thrilled that it's on the list i mean i haven't played it but i love red cathedral i'll talk about red cathedral all day so <laughs> oh yeah it's like, for sure it's like one of my most it's it's like my number one that i that i want to get and mm -hmm. and play like i i'm i'm just such a fan of of what devere's doing also with like so much game in a small box yeah. um it, it, you get a you get that box is stuffed with great stuff they're just they're just been knocking it out of the park and uh yeah i i'm i'm thrilled Agreed. that it's here okay um, we've got two games left, folks. Thanks again for hanging out with us for our top 16 games of 2023. We're turning it back over to our guest, uh, Cole. You've got the number two. All right. It's the third pivot. Um, so <laughs> this game, 
I had to check to see if it was on Board Game Geek to see if it qualified as a board game. Wow. Um, so excited. Yeah. And so, I because I, didn't, I, didn't, I was like, look, it has to have come out in 2023. I get that rule. And also, <laughs> like, it does need to be a board game. But this game is Ross Kalman's City of Winter, which is right on the right on the the little the thin line between a storytelling game, a role playing game and a, and a board game. But I think it is. It is a, it is a, it, it's just an amazing object. And it, it was by far, I, I've played it three times this year and they have been my three favorite game experiences of all the game experiences I've, wow. I've played. Wow. Uh, so this game is, it's made in the United States by, by hand, but by a little team and heart of the deer corn. Uh, there's a couple different like ways to play it, but the, the core mechanism of the game um, it, and I guess I'll, I'll say a word of context. You know, I spent a couple years working on this game oath about big multi-generational storytelling but it's fundamentally a political game. And what's amazing about City of Winter is I feel like Ross got the same prompt that I got, but he walked from the perspective of role-playing games and thought, how, how do I get to this moment? So the way the game works is the idea is that you're, you're playing as a, as a family or, or as a, a tribe that is having to leave. So you, you are, you're, you're walking. And every um, you know during the different phases of the game, you like stop. And kind of share stories and you have encounters and then you you move to like the next little zone and your characters gradually age because they can hold more more little story cards and then they also like when they get old they have to start dropping their little story cards off and you like leave the characters behind and sunset them and bring in new characters and it is inc an incredibly moving experience and it, it's especially like I have, I have, uh, this is a game people cry when we're, we're playing a game of City of Winter. You got to be in the right uh, mode. But if you want to see a game that is going to just change what you think can even happen at a table, uh, I just can't think of a, of a better, of a better title. Um, you know, the, the, the one, one reason why I'm suggesting it to this crew, to people who play board games in particular, is that it is incredibly mechanically robust. You don't really need to think on your feet that much. You can have very simple engagements you know the, the game has like little prompts but basically with it, it's very comfortable with players using a very minimal storytelling technique and you can really let like a lot of the games sort of like happen in, in the theater of the mind without without worrying about too much at the same time i will see players really come out of their shells as they start playing the game and kind of inhabiting uh these different things you know if you have only ever played role-playing games with if you've only ever played dungeons and dragons this is the other role playing game you should play mm. because it will show you what the what th fantastic things that, that this form can do. Um, you know, for the player count, uh, I see some people asking about it. I think usually I'll play it with like three to five, mm. uh, as I think ab about how many people we usually, we usually play it with. Uh, you do not need a game master, you don't need anyone to run the game, you just sit down and play the game together. Uh, it is just it's a remarkable feat. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And the, it is the it's sort of a companion game to this other game called The Fall of Magic, which is also has that beautiful screen printed scroll and things. And Fall of Magic is also excellent, but City Winner makes me cry, so it, it, it wins out. Wow! Wow! I love yeah. the description you gave of how it's. Uh, I think you said it's a beautiful object or something like that, and I thought that that's really moving. And looking at the video, it's stunning and gorgeous, and I love how they show the game actually physically being printed. It feels almost ritualistic and in, in mm -hmm. the care that got put into the actual product itself. And I love that it makes you cry. I love when games make me cry. So this is definitely, <laughs> definitely. Cool. This like amazing thing. currency where you have like these little moments that you encounter and you can either like the core mechanism of the game is you like, you go to these zones and then you either can like share an experience where you like, 
give essentially a card to someone else, or you can have them show you an experience. But then as the characters age and they lose all their experiences, they kind of like slowly like lose the ability to gain new experiences. And then when they die, they like split their experiences out among the rest of the players. And then as you're going on, you're like, well, this like character who is no longer in the game gave me this little like memory and now I get to decide how I want to like pass it through or hold it. It's incredible. It's an incredible design. It also like Ross, I've talked to Ross about design before and he has a background in, in poetry and he thinks a lot about poetry and the words this game uses for it describes are so perfect. They're at the exact right level of distance where they're not too specific and they're not too vague. And I think it's, it's a real work of art. Wow. Wow. That sounds incredible. It's something I'd never heard of before this. Yeah. And I, 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 I Okay, this is coming out of left field. I'm so, so excited that you yes. put this on the list. It sounds just awesome. Just, just that the one thing really hit for me right now, Cole, was the experiences, what the character dies off, you know, and it passes on. Like, I'm getting choked up thinking about that. Yeah, no, it's literally. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta be real careful. Yeah. Choose your players well. Yeah. You know, like yeah. be, wow. this is not like a con game. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. The opposite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> two games to get my. I brought Doctor yeah. and see what they're crying in the club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God! What a choice! That's Thank awesome. you for sharing that, Cole. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sounds so good. Let's. Yeah, that love, was amazing. Yeah, I love whenever Cole Cole says anything. I feel all of us lean in and just like start smiling. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> it's like a happy time. place that I want to wow. live in. Oh, you know? <laughs> uh, let's uh, turn it back to Richard for the number one uh, of twenty uh, twenty three, and he's got a special guest joining him again through the magic of video. And I'm gonna press the buttons here and make it happen. I hope. Uh, yeah, here we go. Okay, before we talk about number one, oh man, the list continued to be fantastic. Uh, Chris, City of the Great Machine, I definitely want to play this game with you sometime. Was it um, Shay who did a run-through for her on the channel when it was crowdfunding? Seems absolutely brilliant, and I've loved hearing your stories about playing it with your fellow actors while you were touring on the road. That was fantastic. Cole, Earthborn Rangers has got to be my number one biggest regret of the year. It's killing me that I have not gotten a chance to play this game. Uh, I don't know anybody at the publisher, and they never reached out, and now I'm on the road in Mexico, so I probably won't get to play it until the middle of next year at the earliest, but... It's all the more on my must-play list now, uh, thanks to you. Uh, Ruel, Last Light. Yeah, the game is brilliant. Totally not for me, but I totally get it. Roy Canaday. I, I, I hope someday he decides to design a Euro. I mean, just the core mechanisms of this brought out of a 4X and into more of an economic simulation would be amazing. Uh, Grant Apiary, very, very sharp. I think this is going to go down as a... This, for some people, is going to be a wingspan killer. I mean, seeing as how it's from the same publisher. And I certainly... Hey! Bye-bye, uh, birds. Um, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic to just miss my personal top 10 of the year. Ray, Darwin's Journey. Oh, I got to play this years ago in a prototype form. I would love to play the final version, especially because I've heard the expansion content that came along with it really takes it to the next level, and it becomes like absolute, just amazing game when you add that stuff. Kimberly, White Castle. Yeah, that's on my short list for game of the year. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Cole, City of Winter. I had not heard of this until I saw it on your list, and I went and looked at it, and it looks amazing. Uh, something that no, uh, people are not talking about, but really should be. Uh, anything that can really push the 
the industry forward like this as new, clever ways of telling, telling stories and um, you know, engaging people, I'm, I'm all for it. It looks lovely. Um, but folks, what's number one on the list? Well, it just so happens that Shay and I tend to agree. We have a shared um, number one of the year. So I'm going to let uh, Shay tell you all about it. Hey folks, so my favorite game of 2023 uh, came out actually very early in the year, so I've had a lot of chances to play it, and that game is Earth. Uh, this is an engine building game where you are playing as Earth, kind of? You're, you're building up an island and filling it with all kinds of plants, and it, it has this great nature theme, but what really draws me in is the engine building nature of it. That's one of my favorite genres of game in general. I also game, like games that have uh, good uh, simultaneous actions. And this has that as well. In this game, you are playing out cards into a grid, a 4 by 4 grid, that you uh, have a little bit of uh, freedom with until you have defined the edges of it, and then you have to stay within that 4 by 4 grid. And also, when it's your turn, you are choosing a type of action, four like, types of actions, and uh, you get a better version of that action, but everyone gets to take that action as well. So you need to, uh, you know, obviously do what you want to do, but also take a look at how it benefits other players. And I think that's a really interesting decision. On top of that, this game is so generous. It gives you so much. You get points for everything. You get points for uh, some of the cards. You get points for the uh, resources you put onto the cards. Your resources for the seeds, the, the plants, the dirt. You get points for your discard pile. Uh, there's so many different ways to score points, so it is very generous, and it really feels like you can try a lot of different avenues uh, to get what you want in this game. On top of that, it's got a great nature theme, like I said. I think it's got some great artwork, and it's just a fun game to play. Um, there are plenty of games I've uh, played this year, and I've tried them once or twice, and I've liked them, but I don't know if I'd really want to keep playing it. Every single time I've played Earth this year, I've really enjoyed it, and I would happily play it again. So that is my top game for 2023. All right, bye, folks. Yeah, I just want to add, I mean, this game does so much so well. I think more than anything else for me, the thing that puts it at the top of the list for the year is how deep and rich it is, and yet it plays so fast. Jen and I can easily get this done in under an hour, and it really doesn't matter how many people are playing, because it's still going to be roughly the same length. I want to see more of this uh, industry in a year where it seems like more and more games were getting longer and longer and longer in the heavy Euro space. It is such a breath of fresh air to see games that are quick and snappy, but don't sacrifice depth or breadth at all. Yeah, Earth was an easy pick. I knew it the first time I played it, and uh, here we are at the end of the year, and it continues to be. But folks... I'm not done yet. I've only told you two of my top 10. I've got a whole bunch more, and on Christmas Day, come on back to the channel, and I'll be doing a video of my full top 10. There were maybe some more things we talked about on this list that make it onto my personal top 10. Plus, I'm also going to do an associated ramble where I'll probably end up talking about my top 30 or so. So, there's more coming, which is why you should always subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already, folks. Anyway, I'm going to get back to the gang now, and so they can finish it up and then go into a post show and talk about some uh, near misses that kept off of their list. Okay, everybody. Okay, before we talk about number one. So, oh, where did I? Ah, that was one of my choices as well. Uh, Earth was a fantastic game. I played with Richard, and I think actually I played with Shay as well for the first time at Dice Hard West this year, and a wonderful experience. Um, like Shay said, there's so many things. I, I love the fact you can score points for dirt. Uh, it just cracked me up the first time I played it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> dirt. Yeah, points. But uh, a wonderful engine building game and uh, really enjoyed that one. I think it was on a lot of people's lists. I mean, it just, it just, 
it, it was one of those things where the Kickstarter itself was one of the best deals of that year mm-hmm. as well. It was such like a reasonably priced game for for the amount of stuff that you got in the box. Uh, that's something that I'm always always mindful of is like really good value, and it it's just gotten really widespread popularity amongst a, a, a lot a lot of stuff. There's a reason why it's in the World Series of Board Gaming next year. It's been added in oh, as nice. one of the games for next year. Yeah. Uh, nice. So if you're an Earth, if you're an intense Earth player and you want to face off against other Earth players, also like a newer game, which uh, ha, you know, like the meta hasn't been developed yet. Yeah. I'm excited to see like how that evolves too. There's there's a lot. There's a lot of positives um, in 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 Earth for sure. Yeah, awesome, cool. All right, so that's gonna wrap it up. Uh, that was our top sixteen games of twenty. That was a good list. Wasn't a great yeah, list? I mean, some solid. really good a really stuff there. Fun list. I, oh, with a lot of people, it, fe- it feels like a lovely end of year celebration, right? Yeah. Oh, it was very very nice. And um, we do want to thank our sponsor, Arcane Wonders, uh, for sponsoring the whole thing here. And speaking of Arcane Wonders, you know they've got uh, Gap. Uh, out now, as you saw Richard talk about uh, there at the beginning. Um, I love uh, Arcane Wonders games. Um, any, I don't know, y'all like Arcane Wonders games? I, I know y'all do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's. I feel. I feel like. Well, I was going to ask Cole this, but I also want to uh, ask uh, uh, myself this, and I'm trying to think of, of, the, of my answer to this one. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Uh, but let, uh, Cole, you go first. Um, <laughs> what's What's your favorite Arcane Wonders title to, to like shout out our sponsor? And then I've got a couple more questions for Cole before we sign off as well. Yeah, related to well, other games. Well, I, I wasn't. So I it was not. Was was not paid or coerced at all to do this, but I will say, as I'm packing up my little Christmas bag, uh, Land, Air, and Sea always, always yes. goes in the bag. It's yes. one nice. of my favorite little travel games. Yeah, great game. That's that's, that's a great, great one. Game. I think for me, I I really Furnace. I just played recently, and mm-hmm. it's kind of blown me away. That's my shout out. There's a lot of really good ones, but that's like my shout out of of an active Arcane Wonders game that I'm excited to get back to the table. Yeah. Is Furnace and the yeah. and the new the new expansion? That would be for me. Yeah. I think. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one's a, a favorite of mine as well. Furnace, and once you play that expansion, Chris, I think your appreciation for that game will will mm. uh, rise. But yeah, okay. Um, uh, and then and then Cole, I do want to finish. With, oh. I know we're running a little over time, but yes. I want to finish with what I've got two hard hitting questions for you that you got to give the definitive answer to right okay. now. Uh, number one, what's your favorite leader game and what's your favorite worthy good game? Those are my <laughs> questions. Okay, I'll take it in reverse order. Favorite worthy good game is John Company. It's the game that when Drew and I would mill around the uh, BGG Con library in years past, we wanted to play a game like John Company, and then we just went out and made it. So it is the one that I'm always happy to play. Um, and then favorite leader game, it's it's Arcs, which is a cheat because I know people won't it's be able to play it till <laughs> till April or so. Um, I love this game. I have we've worked usually by the time I'm done with the game on the day that we submit, I am done thinking about that game. I don't want to play it for months. Yeah. And months. <laughs> Arcs is not like that. I wish badly that I had a production copy right now to be playing. Um, I also I adore that everyone in the office who who like it, most people in the office like it quite a bit, but everyone has strong feelings about their favorite way to play it. Some people only like playing the campaign game like this, or they only want to play the certain type of base game like that. And uh, it's just uh, it it is it has been a real labor of love for everyone on staff, and it it's the thing that is like still stuck in my head. So it is the game, the leader games, the game certainly that I am most proud of, and I'll also say it was. It was the biggest push, and I'm tremendously proud of our team for putting it together. It has more art than Oath. The editorial ask was just so huge. 
more graphics design templates had to be built for it. Basically, everybody who could, you know, have to like level up in order to finish this job on, uh, you know, uh, at the company, everybody had to level up to get it done. And uh, I just want to kind of rejoice in that. So yeah, the one, the one that I could pick, it's Arcs. Nice. That's awesome. Can I ask one more hard hitting question? Since we're on the topic that you have to give a definitive answer on, what root faction do you pick? I for a long if you were time. Playing right now, what are you picking? If I had to pick, play right now, mm. probably the keepers, the badgers, because they're the ones I'm the Ooh. worst at. I have no what? good badger meta. So, like when I play, like if I have to play like an exhibition game or someone just wants me to join their game, I'll play the cats or the eerie or the lizards because I've played hundreds of games, <laughs> factions. I've got ways of playing them. I can have conversations on the side and not worry about it. The, the keepers break my head every time I play them. <laughs> I want to. I want to play them. Awesome. Nice. Well, thank you again, Cole, for joining us. I really appreciate this. It was a great show. Uh, folks, don't forget to check the uh, show notes below for uh, links to find um, uh, Cole everywhere on the interwebs and also uh, for the extended edition where we do a pre- and post-show. I uh, want to thank our sponsors one more time, Arcane Wonders, for sponsoring this episode. Thanks for watching the R&R&R show. We'll see you later next time. Bye-bye. And hello, uh, we are back, uh, folks. For the that. yes, thank you, friends, for uh, hanging out with us. We're gonna do a quick post show. We've run long. Um, any, we'll, we'll just do this. Uh, any shout outs as far as like uh, games that didn't make the list from any of us here? Uh, Y'all want to talk? We'll do a few minutes, and we'll raid the next channel. That's a that's a great huh? question, and I'm furiously searching up my list right now. So I, <laughs> I have I've one I could. Yeah. I have one that I that I want to talk about that um, is a little bit slanderous that I didn't put on the list. Uh, but because I personally am not a co-op person, I did not put uh, the art project on this list. But yeah. as a representative from the op, I know people who like co-op games have been adoring that game. That is our sort of like, if you like Pandemic, try this next. A little mm. level up from that game. Yep. And I know, I've, I mean, obviously I run the op social media. I've been seeing such wonderful support for that game. I would feel disingenuous putting it on the list because I do not like co-ops, but I know everyone who does like co-ops in my life and in my gaming groups have been really, really enjoying uh, the art project. So I wanted mm-hmm. to at least, at least shout that out. <laughs> so nice. I get fired yeah. for not putting it on this list, but it's just, <laughs> I want to be honest, I don't like co-ops. Um, but yeah. yeah, if you do like that genre, it's a good one to check out. Very so nice. uh, the the one that I almost put on here, I'll show it to you. Nice. Yes, Look at this tour of the office. Um, it's on top. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Oh, the stack of games. It's wandering towers. And I, I did the oh, camera because it's, it's on it. the edge of, it's like it. tottering. Um, so wandering towers. I adore this game. It's a Kramer Kissling. So like, you know, two old established German designers doing an old established German design. It does nothing fancy. <laughs> Um, and it, it, I think it's lovely. You know, we have a couple that, uh, they play a lot of Catan and they were like, Hey, they asked my wife, like, Hey, we, we know you guys play a lot of board games. Can you show us new board games? Because all we've been playing for a decade is Catan and its variations. And I thought, well, this is a dream. Of course I would love to show you <laughs> other board games. And so we we still have. Yeah, you're. We're we're all. Oh no. Do we still record the back end for? <laughs> yeah, YouTube we're we're still or? good. No, I was uh, listening. Cool. I, I think it's when it comes when it comes back. Yeah. Uh, we're we're good. Oh, uh, back now. Yeah, Cole was talking about wandering no, towers. What I said about wandering towers. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Basically, what Cole said was, uh, it's like the 1990s never happened, folks. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let me see if uh, we, I mean, we are back it's online. Back yeah, it looks like it's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we're back. Oh, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Ruel, yeah. For I can see Ruel on Twitch. 
Okay. Um, but yeah. I can't see Ruel in our backstage. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Okay. okay. I, I can't hear Ruel. At yeah, all. I'm here. If, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, y'all can. Anyway, Wandering Towers is great. Yeah, can you yes. say what you said again? Because I really, I, will, I really I will, I will, I'll, I'll say, I'll say it again just in case. Um, so, I, Wandering Towers is a design from yesteryear. Like, it feels like a d- game that would have been mm-hmm. made in the late 90s. If you play a lot of modern board games and you ad- and you adore them, but you want something a little bit simpler, uh, you cannot do better than play Wandering Towers. It, it feels like a tonic. It's a splash of fresh water. Uh, it's a simple, fun game. It's great with kids. Uh, I hope Capstone sells a bunch of them and that Kramer and Kissling make more lighter games because the, the Midway Euro, it, even Devere, which is kind of doing it, like White Castle is complex. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's a small box. But like, there's just not a lot of really, I think, really simple work happening in the midweight category. Like, even Apiary is like a complex game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I always like to see people making old school German style games. Yeah. Could not could not agree more. This is one that I'm really bummed I haven't gotten to try. I saw it at I believe Gen Con, and I had that same exact sort of rush of almost nostalgia looking mm-hmm. at it. It did sort of feel like a, an old school. 90s game and i i agree with your sentiment that a lot of games this year and of late are and even uh richard mentioned this in his video bigger more complex the longer the better the more in the box the better uh and it, it's really refreshing to see something that's simple but um really attention grabbing like wandering Towers. Yeah. i really want to try it i haven't tried it i'm so sad yeah, yeah cool good 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 pick I, I i like that i had a few on mine I, and then ruel will turn it over to you and i'll be silent so you can say say us to to lead us out of here yes because yeah, we, we can't hear you hear backstage you. Yeah. but <laughs> i don't know uh, what happened. Th- that way we'll just we'll we'll pass the ball and we know that you'll take us home there you and go. then we can raid something else because i can see you moving on twitch and i can hear you on twitch if i if i unmute it on the other <laughs> wait screen. can you hear me now um Yes. Oh, oh, and I. Oh, you come back. You've come back. I, come I did back the magic now. thing. Right. Click mute and then click unmute, and it works again. And it's perfect. Well, then, well, then we. Won't, I won't do that plan. I was very proud of that plan. It was but a great I'm even plan. More proud of being able to talk to you in, in person. Yeah. Um. My my sort of shout outs were Septima. Like I'm really I'm really looking forward to 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 playing more Septima. Uh, Apiary was also kind of short. I've only played that one once. Um. Broken and Beautiful, which was a small little drafting card game that's one that i was going to highlight uh, it's a it's game about kintsugi which is the the idea that when something is broken and repaired it, it makes itself like a beautiful art Ooh. piece and so people okay. will repair plates oh. with like gold etching and so you're just drafting cards you're drafting sets of cards but you want to smash those cards and then repair them so that they're worth I more points that. uh yeah it's a super beautiful game i backed it on the kickstarter it was only 15 bucks on kickstarter which oh. is like unheard of in the in the yeah. card game <laughs> genre like it's a small card game but normally it's priced it's at 20, 20. it's yeah. always 20 right it was 15 i was like you know what this game actually looks really good compared to all the other 20 dollar card games out there on kickstarter looks really really good i wanted to get it and and it is it's great uh so would shout that out oh i saw i saw the creator at pax i saw oh, nice. him putting it away and i was like and i was like hey y- your face looks familiar to me did you are you the designer of this game? It's like, yeah. I was like, oh, let me tell you. And then I just called, told him the whole spiel. So. Oh, that's great. Love it. Um cool. Yeah, and then and then uh uh that's not a hat and run. I've played oh, since Max. Nice. And they're they both yeah. are kind of vi- would would vie for like for for mentions as well. Those yeah. are my my shout outs. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, that's not a hat is great. awesome. Again, yeah. great end of the night game. Yes, yeah. another Stand one. Stand by that. Yeah. Um yeah. 
I've got two real quick I want to shout out. Then we're going to raid uh, Lusa Palooza. They're uh, streaming board games right now. Uh, one of them, Forest, Forest Shuffle, that came out at uh, Gen Con. Really cool multi-purpose uh, cards, multi-use. So tons of set collection of that. Great uh, things, yeah. yeah, really, really cool game. And the other one I want to mention, I, this has been my personal favorite game of the year, um, but it came out, I think, a year or two ago, so I'm totally cheating on this. It's a game called Nana. It's been rebranded as Trio. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, I love this played. game. Yes. It's basically Go Fish meets Concentration or a memory game. It sounds awful, folks, but trust me, so it is good. fantastic. A great one of the best light card games you'll play uh, ever. So those are my shout outs. Again, thank you to Ray and Chris for co-hosting with me. And also thank you for our, uh, mm-hmm. to our guest, uh, Cole, for hanging out with us. I know we went long. Thank you so much for your patience, Cole, and yeah, for thanks, bringing Cole, your insights your and stories with us. Really yeah. appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for watching. Let's uh, raid the, the Losers. Uh, they're playing uh, board games right now. I don't know which one they're playing, but in about 10 seconds, we're going to go over there. Show them some love. You're going to get some extra channel points. And on behalf of everyone here, uh, Richard, the entire crew, want to say happy holidays. Wishing you and yours the very best in the new year. Be safe. Be kind to each other. And uh, celebrate like Chris celebrates uh, with the special <laughs> effects. All right. Bye, everybody. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye. We're raiding, and we're raiding, we're raiding, and we have raided...